waking up just to say your goodbyes Faint composure, but I know you lie I know you try So hard, so, so hard Hello, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. My name is Matt, and this is episode 54. And on the show this week, we are going to be discussing the new M. Night Shyamalan song dong movie, uh, Glass. And joining me today, Travis. How's it going, man? Pretty good. And uh, Tom, how's it going? Hey, guys. It's going really well. <laughs> so that is Paris, not Tom. <laughs> Uh, Tom uh, is not able to join us today, so uh, Paris graciously filled in, so welcome back to the show. Um, let's uh, kick things off with uh, well, some intros. Uh, Travis, what's uh, what's been going on? Um, let's see. Well, last night I went out for a friend's birthday party. We went to the local public eatery for dinner. And then that's the name of it. Like, yeah, we just went out to the local eatery. Uh, yeah, no, it's literally their name. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one eatery in the whole town. <laughs> and uh, then we went to Art Marble, which seemed like a cool place, but it was pretty crowded. So I didn't get to partake in all the festivities. They have a bunch of indoor games like ping pong, bocce ball, pool tables. It seems like a pretty cool spot. And then we went to the Orient Express down in Soto. Is, so is this like, I'm assuming it's like a Chinese karaoke bar or something? Or like? um, I don't know exactly what it is, but they have like different theme nights. Like one of my buddies does a disco night there, but it's basically like a, a bar slash club in a abandoned or <laughs> rundown train car. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's just um, the music was mostly deep house the whole night. So it was just the same beat over and over. Nice. So, so that got old fast, but uh Seemed like a cool place. Maybe on a different night, I'd uh, enjoy it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I've heard they do disco nights there, quote unquote, almost every Saturday. So apparently Sounds you guys right. I missed, missed the it. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to excuse myself. I realized I had boogers on my shirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sneezed earlier and uh, I touched... Um, like probably 30 minutes. <laughs> I touched my shirt and it was, uh, sticky. So I was like, well, that's, that's boogers. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Paris, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, what's been going on? Yeah, it has been a while. Um, well, I just had my birthday. It was last week. It was really, really nice. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, I'm officially 27 now, which is, fun fact, you're late 20s. And people keep reminding me how close I am to 30. It's it's pretty great. <laughs> I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> just one year closer to death, I guess. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a good time, though. Um, someone wasn't there, though. 
that someone was Matt. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> he was, quote unquote, sick again. And I say again because uh, I actually reminded him that last year for my birthday dinner, he came to the birthday party, but for my birthday dinner on my actual birthday, he was also, quote unquote, sick, <laughs> even though he was the one that organized oh, it. My God. <laughs> So in my defense, uh, I did have boogers on myself just now, did I not? <laughs> so I am uh, recovering from said sickness. Um, but I did. I felt especially bad when you reminded me that I also missed the birthday dinner, which, as you said, I helped plan, even though I did not go to it. That's pretty um, awesome. <laughs> but I'm going to hang out with Paris afterward on recording and uh, buy her some food and we'll play games and make up for stuff. it. So yeah, make up for missing your B day. Sorry, Paris. Um, anything else you wanted to mention before, uh, I do my spiel? No. No? Okay. Um, not much going on with me. Uh, I was just in Portland with Haley last weekend. It was kind of a spur of the moment trip because we had the three day weekend because of Martin Luther King Day. So, drank a lot of beer, ate some good food. Uh, Travis, you've been to Great Notion Brewing, I think. I, I have. On my recommendation, I believe. Maybe. I <laughs> can't recall, but. <laughs> I, I actually hadn't been myself. Oh Jesus! I th- yeah, I feel like I should have indulged more when I went after your visit. It's um, <laughs> I feel like I missed out a little bit. <laughs> it's it's legitimately some of the best beer I've I've ever had in my life. It's it, everything I had. Like I think between Haley and myself, we had seven different beers because we each got something different, so we would share, and every single one was just incredible so great notion brewing in portland oregon except i do recall the bartender there asked where we were from and then asked us what we were doing there because there was a better beer well not it's two totally different things but there was a beer festival going on in seattle so we should have been at home instead of at great notion (laughs) (laughs) nice well uh so server bartender or whatever kind of you know giving you personal life recommendations kind of bleeds into a little story that I have uh, from Killer last night. <laughs> so I went out to dinner last night with Haley and there's this Italian restaurant like two blocks up the street from us called Brunello Ristorante. I want everybody to know what it's called. Brunello Ristorante <laughs> in the Roosevelt area of Seattle. Uh, had pretty decent reviews and... Uh, we wanted Italian food, so we checked it out. So we were smoking, and we walked up um, to the restaurant, and we were standing outside, which apparently we found out later was like the kitchen area, and they had like some windows up above. We didn't notice it at the time, but whatever. So we finish our cigarettes. We go inside. Uh, this super obnoxious guy sits us down. He walks away, and then he comes back, and he's like, by any chance, do you guys smoke? And we were like, uh yeah do we like smell like cigarettes or something he was like oh no i just uh we could we could smell it in the kitchen and there's this guy that like is always like standing in front i always have to tell him off for smoking so i was just checking to see if it was him but uh whatever so he was basically like you guys made the kitchen smell like shit and then we were like oh, okay that's weird mind your own business you asshole <laughs> and then <laughs> he like he walks away and then like five minutes later he comes back and he was like hey i just want to say i didn't mean to like you know call you guys out for smoking or anything i just want to know if it was that guy and i had to had a talk whatever obnoxious as hell anyway Darn, I thought he was going to bum a cigarette. <laughs> that's, see, that's, that's originally why I thought he was asking. Like, at the beginning of it, it kind of sounded like he 
was going to go out there to bum one from whoever was out there, but it turns out that wasn't the case. Anyway, so that guy was annoying. We heard him being annoying at other tables. That guy sucked. Our actual server uh was also annoying and obnoxious he we we made a comment about how we were like getting over uh sickness or something and he, he looks at Haley and he goes oh i guess i won't give you a kiss then like what super weird like kind of pervy thing to say to someone who you're cert like you know you're their server <laughs> yeah and he was like reciting all of the specials and that part was fine, but he made a couple like weird jokes. Like at one point, he was like, "Stop me if you're vegetarian," <laughs> and we were like, "No, we're we're good." The table. Oh, go ahead. How old was this guy? Probably like late thirties, I would say. Um, so that was whatever. But the table right behind us and right in front of us, he gave the exact same spiel. Oh, he was no. like, "Stop me if you're vegetarian," <laughs> and then like one one other joke. So he was basically like. I mean, I get it. Like, you have to memorize the specials or whatever. But he was, like, using the same, like, lines on the people with an earshot. And it's, like, it just makes you seem super disingenuous. Like, we're, you know, yeah. you know, it just makes you feel like you're just reciting a script to us, whatever. <laughs> um, and then the food was good, but I got diarrhea. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't go to Brunello Restaurante unless you want to be annoyed and uh, poop a lot. What did you order? <laughs> I got the spaghetti carbonara. Okay. Which, you know, pretty pretty basic bitch ordered an Italian restaurant, but the rest yeah. of the stuff was either too expensive or I just <laughs> even more basic, like spaghetti, bolognese, and stuff like that. Uh, Haley got the pesto gnocchi. Um, she did not get diarrhea, so mm. I don't know if this was out of spite <laughs> for smoking or what it was, but yeah, don't go to Brunello Ristorante. <laughs> I just wanted to point out that that is possibly one of your most larry david stories that you've ever told (laughs) (laughs) take that as a compliment (laughs) um and then travis before we move on to the review i understand you also have some gripes with um not local business but they are here so they walk among us in the grand scheme of things i'm (laughs) full disclosure i'm probably overreacting Travis overreacting? (laughs) what (laughs) and the events leading up to the experience definitely added to it so So you were already perturbed per se before this event occurred well let's just say (laughs) it's a dumb fucking rule and i'll start now okay okay (laughs) so on thursday night i was gonna go see a movie after work because i actually went in that day and i usually like to go see a movie when i drive in so i don't have to deal with traffic when i get off and I had seen every movie at the AMC Factoria, so I couldn't go there. Well, I think A Dog's Home was playing, but I... You didn't want to see A Dog's no Way Home? Interest. I saw the trailer, dude. I've seen the whole movie. Well, have you already seen Homeward Bound? Because then you've already seen that movie. Yeah, it's a better movie. <laughs> yeah, Homeward Bound rules. <laughs> uh, so I went to Cinemark because they were playing Serenity and. That was one of the few movies I haven't seen in theaters that looked interesting to me, (laughs) despite the negative reviews. Um, And I signed up for their movie club, but this is not part of the experience per se. Um, So I signed, they had a promotion going on where you could get two free months of movie club. So I still had those two credits left and I thought I might as well burn one because they expire on Tuesday, I think. So 
Is this like their version of A-list? Like what yeah, is okay. it's a shitty version. You basically get one free movie a month and it's nine dollars a month. And then I think that's it. Unless every ticket after that is discounted or something like that. And then you get twenty percent off on concessions, I think. So it's similar to being like a SIF member? Kinda, yeah. Okay. More in line with that than like a list or movie pass um but it's their version their shitty version (laughs) uh so anyways use one of those credits and then i got off work late um was gonna work out that day forgot my gym shoes and my shampoo and all that good stuff so i was like fuck it not gonna work out so i had like an hour or so to kill before the movie so i like just took my time moseying around bellevue (laughs) until it was seven o'clock and since I came from work, I had all my equipment, like my laptop and headset and all that. Yeah. And I've gotten my car broken into before at Lincoln Square. So I was like, I'm not leaving my backpack in my car. You, it got broken into at Lincoln Square? Mm-hmm. Like in the parking garage itself? Yeah. Oh, wow. I always thought, you know, it's a bougie area. So no. you're in a garage, you're probably <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just uh, did not want to leave my work stuff in my car because that is my actual worst nightmare that uh (laughs) my work laptop gets stolen (laughs) uh so cinemark has a bag policy where you can't bring in a bag over a certain size due to safety reasons and i knew this rule going into the theater but i was thinking maybe they'll make an exception because i have all of my work equipment with me and you know i'll even let them check my bag or whatever so i as i'm walking up to the theater I don't even like get up to the kiosk really. And the guy's like, sorry, no backpacks. And I was just like, what? I was like, I know it's a rule, but like I have all my work stuff. Like I don't have anywhere to put it. And he's like, nope, sorry. No exceptions. And I'm just like, what? So I just turned around and left. (laughs) So they didn't even offer to like keep your bag like behind the concession stand or something or, or, or search your bag. Like you said, like it's like strict, like no bag policy. Well, yeah, I think their actual no bag policy is like no bag over a certain size, but then they have like a a typed out sign on the front of the kiosk that says no backpacks allowed or something like that. It's just, I don't know, they say it's for safety. And then when they first made this announcement, it was back in 2018 and they referenced the shooting in Colorado in 2012. That just... Like, you're going to act on that six years later, and that that's going to be your main defense for the rule? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I get where they're coming from, and it seems weird to, like, reference that specific shooting when there have been, like, dozens <clears throat> and dozens of mass shootings at other public places. Like, just yeah. say it's a public safety concern. Don't, like, say, well, there was a shooting in a movie theater one time. <laughs> like, <laughs> <years ago. laughs> so. It was at a Cinemark theater, but still. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just think it's a dumb rule for security purposes because you could bring something into the theater easily that could do harm, not inside of a bag. And it's not like they check your pockets or anything like that. So it it ended up ruining my night. I feel like (laughs) Travis is trying to say, uh, beware Cinemark employees. He may come back with something in his pockets. (laughs) I actually wrote to Cinemark just a general complaint about the issue. And as I was writing it, I was like, they might think I'm going to do harm. Did you write to them in an email form or with these newspaper clippings? (laughs) (laughs) Email. 
but I did disclaimer. I was like, my intent is just a general complaint. <laughs> I do not mean to sound insensitive or like, or this is any type of threat. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I get it. But if you like say like, hey, I get this is your policy. Search my bag. Keep my bag till I'm done. Like they should be able to like work with the customer. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, what if you're like, what if you bust for a living and you need to carry around a bag because that's how you live your life? It's just like you can't go to a Cinemark theater. I literally, I think I saw a couple movies in theaters this week and all of them I came straight from work, had to have my laptop and my big purse and like a bag. Like if that was, if that was the case, I wouldn't have had to go home. Yeah, I would not have been able to, to see the movie. The worst part about it is I think... The guy is just one of those tryhards. He takes his job way too seriously. And it's do you oh, do you remember the guy uh, when we went and saw Taxi Driver at Lincoln Square? The older guy who took our ticket and was like, "Oh, I just saw that last night." I don't know if you remember him, but no, oh, okay, because he's like always is it the that guy, guy taking tickets? Yeah, and he just seems like one of those people who follow rules to a T. And I was like, dude. You're my homie. Like, I thought if, if anyone was going to, like, let this slide, it was going to be you. But he was just, like, not having it. You know who would let you slide? You know the the chick who takes tickets at the Northgate Regal? She's always oh, she's yeah. always just making comments and like she's super fun. She would have let she yeah. would have let you bring a gun into the theater. <laughs> yeah. She was like <laughs> she would have like oh let me see you got a concealed carry permit oh you do okay yeah go ahead. She's cool though she's a little yeah. annoying but she's, she's very nice. So yeah fuck Cinemark, fuck Cinemark. long live AMC. <laughs> cool all right uh, anything else anybody wants to bring up before we get into our glass review? No. No. Okay, cool. Well, let's do this. Uh, we have a clip. Let's listen in. Hey, everybody. What's up? Patricia told us you were coming. My name is Luke, and I'm Team Horde all the way. Yep, I can intro you to everybody. I ain't no bad hombre to know. Everybody's going to tell you that I got a big mouth, though. I spoiled the end of movies. Ain't true. Everybody knows Priest dies at the end of The Exorcist. The American sublime. Do you even know what that means? No. That is why this world is a lost cause. That is why the beast is the only thing that is pure and meaningful. American sublime refers to western paintings of landscapes and seascapes depicting the immensity of nature. The use of violent storms in the distance was a common practice. All right. So glass is the third and final installments in uh m night Shyamalan's superhero trilogy i don't know uh preceded by unbreakable and split spoilers (laughs) (laughs) plot synopsis reads security guard david dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track kevin wendell crumb a disturbed man who has 24 personalities written and directed by m night Shyamalan. Film stars James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, and Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, we'll throw Sarah Paulson's name out there, too. Um, She's in it more than Anya Taylor-Joy, so... <laughs> yeah, but Anya Taylor-Joy is awesome, and Sarah Paulson is whatever. So, <laughs> Also, Anya Taylor-Joy is billed higher on the IMDb cast list, so... <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um... 
So, uh, someone say highly anticipated film. Uh, the the previews look great. Uh, What did you guys think of Glass? Who's going first? Uh, Let's see. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I don't know if I was necessarily disappointed, mainly because of the reviews coming out. I think it hindered my expectations a bit it's not doing well critically we'll say yeah so i kind of yeah lowered my expectations beforehand and i did enjoy what we got um i like the whole twist or whatever ending it's going for at the end the reveal yes the reveal (laughs) (laughs) and uh i really liked mcavoy's performance i thought he one upped his performance in split um thought it looked good um looks different than a most of the superhero movies we're used to seeing these days so that was refreshing um do have some issues with it that i'm sure we'll get into it seems very convenient at times and this movie it's the more i think about it the more i like it and the less i like it at the same time (laughs) (laughs) Because some stuff's really dumb, but then other parts, <laughs> it's like, you just want to love it. <laughs> All right. So I loved it. I actually, full disclosure, I have not seen Split. I watched a bunch of things on it. I listened to y'all's spoilerful review on it. Um, but I, yeah, I was enraptured i was kind of like at the edge of my seat for most of it i really enjoyed how like kind of like what you said travis like it sort of plays with the idea of the normal superhero movie it goes through some of the tropes and even kind of blatantly talks about that through samuel l jackson's character but it really sort of plays with that idea that you know it doesn't have to be this huge massive dynamic blockbuster movie to be a good superhero movie Uh, best movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> when Bruce Willis unzips his jacket and he was Superman the whole time. Oh my God. I cream my jeans. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my game plan going into this review was to see how long I could go before you guys realize I didn't actually see Glass because I did not what? actually see the movie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I had okay, so I had an A list. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid bitch! Jesus Christ! I, I, this show. is the ultimate twist. <laughs> reveals just, on reveals, just baby. One up, M night. Actually, Matt Nightshot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually had two Stop reservations to see this movie yesterday. <laughs> I had so with a list. Anyone who has a list, you know, you can book your ticket ahead of time. So, I had my seat saved for like the twelve fifty screening of of Glass. Right. Um, I was way too into Red Dead Online, oh, so <laughs> I was like, you know what? The reason why I had booked that screening is because Haley hadn't been feeling well, but she wanted to see it, 
and she had to work. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to go while she's at work. I booked the ticket like Thursday or something and she was sick. I was like, I don't know if she's going to want to go. I need to see it. Whatever. She had been starting to feel better come Saturday. She went to work. So I was like, you know what? I, I don't feel like leaving the apartment. I'm having fun. I'll just see it with her later. And then I confirmed it with her that she wanted to go book our tickets for the 715 screening. And then, uh, some personal stuff came up not gonna get into it on the show but uh didn't didn't (laughs) (laughs) diarrhea for the third time this week (laughs) so this actually well no so this was the the italian restaurant was right before we were gonna go see glass diarrhea happened later so this yes this was not diarrhea related um but the diarrhea did occur after i did decided not to go so maybe dodged a bullet there but or maybe that was the universe's way of punishing you for not going to see oh you're not going to see this movie here shit your pants (laughs) so uh unfortunately i did not see the movie but honestly i know you guys are both saying you liked it but i was kind of dreading having to go see this movie just because I don't know. Maybe you guys can speak to it, but do you guys think I would have liked this movie had I actually gone out to see it? It's tough to say, Matt. You like Predator, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I'm gonna have to agree with Travis on this one. It's it's a toss up. I don't know. It's one of those movies. I feel like you kind of would have come out of left field and been like, I either fucking hate it or I love it, and like we have no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah. So having said that, uh, I completely want you guys to spoil the shit out of it for me. Uh, don't hold back. We'll do like a spoiler section because I am kind of curious. I think it's kind of fun to hear you guys. It would be fun to hear you spoil it having not seen it myself, you know? Um, but yes. All right. So Shyamalan Harris Twist. and I will do the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here it goes. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I thought that James McAvoy's performance was amazing. I, again, I didn't see Split, so I've heard a lot of people like it was similar to that. But honestly, I, it made me come out of it and I was like, damn, James McAvoy is just great and everything. He's just like an amazing actor. He can do yeah whatever he wants. The way he like turns on a dime to different characters in this yes. one is pretty awesome. And the fact that so much of that is nonverbal, like so much of that is. Um, <laughs> so much of that is just like facial expressions and his tone and the way his eyes look even like it's, it's pretty impressive what he can do with his nonverbal acting. I didn't stay for the credits, but I heard that he's literally credited for all 20, whatever characters. Yes. There's also, so <laughs> there's also a mid credit scene. Did oh, you know is. about this? Oh, no, I, yeah. I was out of there. Oh, <laughs> Okay, because so I had another movie to catch. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a mid-credit scene, and like I didn't know about that, but I think that we've been trained enough now as moviegoers by Marvel that like literally no one in our theater got up. Like two people got up, looked around, and we're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> see, see now that yeah, now that you say something, I think I did look it up on the internet because there's like apps or websites that say if there's a sting or not. Yeah, and it said that there wasn't. Um, I, I well, it was better than that. I mean. <laughs> I don't remember if it's actually before the full credits, but it's definitely like not at the end. It's a mid credit oh, okay. scene, if anything. Well, so you'll uh, have to spoil it later. Okay. Yeah, split, well, Split kind of did that too. Like the movie ends, 
but then it picks back up and Bruce Willis is in the diner, you know, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, you saw it. Was there a moment like that? Or was this literally well, the credits had started and this was in the middle of it? I definitely stayed till the credits started, but then I left so, shortly after that. Okay, so it must have actually been like a... Because I don't remember... Did you rewatch Split ahead of this? I did not. I can't remember mm-hmm. if if it did that if the credits started and then it came back and that's when the like tie into Unbreakable happened or if that was literally yeah. just the end of the movie. It I, might have been one of those things where it was like five or ten seconds after. And then yeah yeah I yeah I can't remember. But yeah, I'm not sure either. <clears throat> you done? Well, so I I was like questioning myself then I was like because I was looking up like if it had a mid credits post credit scene because it has been. Gosh, like a week and a half since I saw it. Did you see the scene where Sarah Paulson's character comes back without spoiling anything? Does it involve a restaurant? Yes. Yeah, that was before the oh, credits. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Okay, my bad then. It doesn't have a mid credit scene. I thought that was like after the actual credits started. Or maybe that's after like the designy credits where they're like, oh, it's like fantastical. Of designy credits, the opening credits, cream. i don't remember them oh it was kind of like it had like a a 90s vibe to it and um it was just like little like effects of breaking glass oh (laughs) no i did love that actually they did it in the in the ending credits too and they had like the unbreakable and like split in the breaking glass it was actually really cool (laughs) it sounds lame but i was like oh (laughs) yeah opening credits rocked (laughs) i i don't know i really enjoyed the look and feel of this movie like i felt like it had a very soft touch um which i know everyone's like oh m night Shyamalan, like his mid-career bad he came started coming back in the visit i fucking hated the visit so i don't know what anyone is talking about but i felt like this had a much lighter touch than that it was very like other than the quote-unquote twist and the fact that this is like the third in the trilogy like i felt like it didn't feel a lot like some of his shitty movies (laughs) yeah i thought well all the the three lead characters had good moments too within it and samuel jackson doesn't really say anything for like the first hour or so of the movie wait really like he's just in the the yeah like the the camera insane asylum or whatever the fuck it is you know focus on him but he'll just be like staring blankly and his eye will be twitching but he doesn't actually say anything until yeah, at least an hour into the movie. Wow. Um, so my question, uh, Bruce Willis for the past probably ten years or so, probably ever since Looper, has been phoning it in. Yes. Does it <laughs> does it feel like he's phoning it in in this movie? No, I mean I wouldn't say it's like a amazing performance or anything, but it seems better than some of the, his previous roles. It seems like he's at least putting forth an effort. Yes. Like Looper. <laughs> like that's the one I go back to cuz it's not like he's great in Looper by any means, but he's like he's solid. He's not distractingly bad or you're not distracted by how like little of a shit he seems <clears throat> to give. Yeah. So it's it's fine, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. Samuel L. Jackson is also I mean yeah. he doesn't talk till halfway through. Twitch, but... man. Best performance of the year. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson kills in this, honestly. It reminded me a lot of his performance in Unbreakable. 
I would say Bruce Willis's performance is probably comparable to Looper, where he's giving a good performance. It's not his best, but he's more than just there. Did you guys realize, know that Samuel Jackson is 70 years old? What the that is fuck? Insane. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Damn. I did not. It seems like he's in his 50s, but... <laughs> I just felt like since he was like 25, he's always been 40, so he'll be 40 forever. <laughs> um, one cool touch is that uh, Bruce Willis's son from Unbreakable is, plays his son, excuse me, plays his son in Glass. And at first I was like, wow, that actor looks a lot like his son in Unbreakable. <laughs> he's got the little eyes and the kind of weird looking face. <laughs> plot twist it was (laughs) i thought he was good in it for the most part i was pleasantly surprised since i haven't seen him in anything since then yeah it is kind of weird that bruce willis plays a vigilante in this and um because he's so he was just in death wish last year which is essentially the same kind of thing (laughs) i just that was honestly the hardest thing for me is that he's supposed to be this like superhero figure that's like extra strong and like you know, uh, one might say unbreakable, but, uh, <laughs> got him. <laughs> but he, he just, he does look kind of old, kind of worn down in this. And I think that's, so the movie kind of plays on the aspect of you think it sort of makes you question whether they are actually superheroes with super and supervillains with supernatural powers. So, uh, fun trivia fact, the guy who plays, uh, David Dunn's son in these movies, his name is Spencer Treat Clark, and he plays Joaquin Phoenix's little bitch-ass son in Gladiator, Lucius. Oh my god, yeah. Same, same guy. He's, uh, on this guy's top four IMDb, Lucius in Gladiator is the number four <laughs> spot, so, yeah, good at playing bitch-asses. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I'm a little bummed we didn't get like a, a Spider-Man type scene with uh, Bruce Willis fighting crime. <laughs> what, where he takes his mask off halfway and makes out with someone? No, just like... <laughs> or That's like, all I remember about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, just like opening the movie with him like, you know, seeing some activity going on in a dark hallway or... Uh, not hallway alleyway i mean they kind of did that with they they opened with um he's they like open on him like catching down a criminal like stopping being a vigilante stopping crime when he goes to those guys houses and like there's okay so the movie starts off with these two guys that are like filming videos where they randomly punch people or something i don't know it was a little weird like a a youtube channel like dudes just like jokingly punching people or yeah like it it started out like a guy like I guess they have a YouTube channel where of like where they like surprise like punch people in the face like I don't know it was really weird. So it's like American Vandal. What are those videos they make in American? Do you watch American Vandal? Right? Uh, you didn't watch it? Oh damn it! Maybe that was your brother. Yeah. They make some like. Did you watch American Vandal, Paris? No, I did not. They make some like YouTube videos where they like. D- prank random people in the park or something it sounds kind of like that i don't know but since no one's gonna since no one knows what i'm talking about i don't (laughs) (laughs) well maybe they did do something then and i forgot yeah because it starts off with that where you see that happening and then you see this like shadowy figure in their home and then he's like beating them up behind the wall and you can't really see them and he comes out with his stupid rain jacket on (laughs) right he throws one against the wall right (laughs) yes yeah okay it's slowly coming back. So now. you kind of like you kind of get an introduction to that. I think that there could have been more of that, but yeah. 
that was actually one of the things I really enjoyed about this is that there wasn't a lot of action. The action was very. So you focused. enjoyed the the low budgetness of it. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think it felt low budget. Well, I felt. Not budget. I, I mean, for like, <laughs> not necessarily low budget, but if it had a bigger budget, I feel like it would it would have been a little bit more grand. Like That's the fair. the budget constrained it a bit. I enjoyed the sort of small scale of it. Like there's a part in the movie where toward the climax where they're going to go to the tallest tower in the city and, you know, fight to the death kind of thing and essentially sort of I, I don't want to spoil anything, but um it's a twist. Yeah. <laughs> Everything major. is a twist. <laughs> <laughs> twist on twist on twist. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but that it sort of the movie sort of flips that idea on its head, and I really, really enjoyed that. That it kind of kept it relatively small scale in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I didn't necessarily mind where the showdown took place and yeah. how it played out, but I feel like there was maybe one or two scenes missing like action sequences towards the beginning or in the middle maybe because the middle is a lot of just talking and that's fair i was really the middle is a lot of james mcavoy though and his different personalities and i was really enjoying that yeah and that's kind of like this whole trilogy like there isn't a ton of action in any of them right sort of a low-key version so in split we only see like six or seven of the personalities i believe do you see all of them in this movie or do you at least get some new ones i mean um i haven't seen split since the theater but it seemed like there was more <laughs> or different so ones. in this one um they're when he's in, he's in the psychiatric hospital and they have this light um and then when you spoiler no. <laughs> I mean, it was in the trailers, so I feel like no. But um they have this light that when you flash the light, he can um it like changes his personality, like switches to the next one. So I do think that you see a lot of personalities. Again, didn't see split, so I don't know how many varieties, but definitely you think you see more than seven, right? So they took they took that thing from Get Out that I hate, where they yeah. flash the camera and he's like, "Ooh, whoa!" Oh my god, yeah. I forgot that you had such a fucking stickler point with that. Cool. Well, now, <laughs> now I'm glad I didn't see this piece of shit. No, actually, the way that they handle that, I think, is really good. That is funny. <laughs> didn't even think about that till just now. <laughs> Maybe these movies are trying to tell us that if you flash bright light in people's faces, you can change their personality. Yeah. That just seems like such lazy screenwriting. Like, that's so stupid. There's no way that would do that. That's insane. They so, give a reason why it does it, right? I don't remember. I may have gone to the bathroom during that point. If he went to, like, a club with strobe lights, would he just be no, like... No, 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 no. no. It's <laughs> not... Sorry. To clarify, Travis is right. It's not, like, any light. It's not just, like... He wouldn't have been affected by a camera flash, I don't think. It's not just a bright light. It's specific light wavelengths that they have yeah, it's perfected. Yeah, a special device. Yeah, that she created to specifically trigger that reaction. It's not just any bright light. I still, I can't believe that there's any actual science that would back that up. It sounds like probably I'm trying to write in like more at least get out didn't do that it sounds like at least this movie is trying to like provide a scientific explanation for why that would happen and granted i'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist whatever what? the fuck but <laughs> i have to believe that that 
is bullshit, right? <laughs> There's no fucking way that some ultraviolet light will trigger someone to warp did into a different personality. Taze him or something too. I feel like it did more than just flash the light. Well, it it's it prevented him because I I okay, so they didn't fully explain that from what I remember, but I my understanding was like it prevented him from leaving his room because he had to transition into his next personality and and while we're talking about psychological things i mean he has did i think that's what it's called right and i mean there's a lot of you know dissociative identity disorder is that yeah and i mean there's a lot of like flack about that about how that's not really how that works and etc but but if you kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit on that i think you can kind of roll with it so let's uh let's go ahead and wrap up general discussion points um anything else you guys would like to mention before we uh before you two give uh star ratings and we throw up a spoiler tag uh no i have one thing and it was probably one of my only qualms with the movie anna taylor joy isn't it and Anya. Anya. <laughs> <laughs> like, get back on your seat, Matt. <laughs> that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so Anya Taylor-Joy, um, her role in this is basically she, each of them have... Um, someone who uh, is sort of their person in the outside world, I guess. Is she James McAvoy's outside person? Like, yes. See, cause I could have... Uh, that. That's kind of how Split ended. They kind of made it seem like she would maybe become like a disciple of the Beast. So she's like the link for, for James McAvoy's character. Okay. So having you, you having said that, that that kind of split ends that way, that makes more sense to me. But I felt a little bit like it was sort of... Force? Yeah, it, it was almost like, okay, bitch, do you have Stockholm Syndrome? Like, why? You were the victim of this 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 person who clearly has some serious psychological issues. Why do you... Well, and he care. did some fucked up shit and split. Right, yes. right. No, that's that I, I've, I've watched a bunch of things her. on it, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the handling of Anya Taylor Joy's story, I felt a little brushed over. Like, oh, she cares for him because she's also been through trauma, and I was like, yeah, but a lot of that trauma was stuff that like he did. I don't, I yeah, don't know. It was almost like Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson's character had someone, so then he had to kind of like shoehorn or force her character to be McAvoy's thing. Yes, definitely. It kind of seems like that was his intention all along, though. Because, I mean, though that seed was planted in Split. Yeah. And that was one of the big issues I had with Split, is that they kind of, by the end of it, made it seem like she was sympathizing with him. Which, why the fuck would you ever, like, sympathize with him? And, I mean, Paris mentioned, like, the Stockholm Syndrome thing. But, like, I've, I don't know much about that condition, but I feel like that only happens while you're being held captive like i don't know if like once you're so i actually uh i listened to another great podcast called wine and crime and they did an episode on stockholm syndrome and there was this woman that had been kidnapped and held captive for many many years and she still until the death of her captor for i think 15 years after would write him letters 
kept his picture in her wallet. Like, it's a very confusing and not at all fully understood um, psychological issue, I guess. But yeah, no, even after you're outside and, like, there's a possibility they might still consider your captor to be a good person. You might sympathize with them. You might even care and love them. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they try and give reason to it, and she feels for him, but it's just with all the stuff that's happened, it, it it's just kind of clunky. <laughs> okay. So, um, any last points before you guys drop some star ratings on this one? No. No. Okay. Uh, what are your ratings? Five stars, baby. Wow. Ooh. Perfect film. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. Obviously, I had an issue with it. I just <laughs> talked about, but I thought that wasn't enough to drop it down a half star. I'm at a 3.5. Interesting. Okay. So we're going to move into spoiler discussion now. So check the show notes if you haven't seen Glass yet, because we're going to be spoiling this movie. So uh, lay it on me, guys. How many... First question, how many reveals are there? Two, how good are the reveals? There's at least... Too. <laughs> yeah, there's at least a couple. I feel like if you're really talking about like all the reveals in the entire movie, there's probably like five. But like some of that's just like standard movie suspense. Like yeah. it's it within the first act, there's a quote unquote reveal, you know. But well, heavy hitters. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, well, the biggest reveal is the showdown at the end. Well, after the showdown. Well, yeah. Right? So, the biggest reveal is that Sarah Paulson's character, who plays a psychologist, that's trying to well, um... let's let's try and play out the events. Okay. In... Okay. So, <laughs> do, Travis do you does not like how I'm doing spoil this. the shit out of oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. So we'll just do like loose spoilers to get up to the end. So I'll just say they all eventually get in the. The psychiatric ward or whatever, which and I knew is in the trailer. In the trailer, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, they are all there, and Sarah Paulson is basically trying to convince them that they aren't special, and that it's been in their head the entire time. Which, yeah, I mean, you can kind of see that from the trailer too. Like they, she's trying to <laughs> convince them that there's not actually anything wrong with them. And then you, as the audience, are like, "Oh shit." <laughs> <laughs> and I really enjoyed that because I was like, wait, is Bruce Willis just kind of strong? Because she mentions like people in freak shows, like there are anomalies where people are just very strong or very weak or very smart or have, you know, multiple personality disorder. You know, like those don't Mac- make you a Mac- serial. Or McAvoy's character watches rock climbing videos. So that's how he knows how to climb. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. So the way Travis said it sounds dumb, but honestly, like... <laughs> The, in the rock climbing videos, they have people who are free climbing, and in some of them, they're able to scale without equipment he saw free solo. Up, up the side of mountains. And so she's saying that, you know, he studied those, and through that, was able to then himself, when he's quote unquote the beast, like he is able to scale up the sides of walls and buildings and they stuff. They found a screener copy of Free Solo in his computer. <laughs> So correct me if I'm wrong, but both Unbreakable and Split, the whole thing is about 
are they supernaturally whatever? Are they superheroes? Are they not? By the end, you realize, yes, they are. So did he spend literally another movie going over the same thing? Are are they actually supernaturally powerful, whatever? Because that's kind of what it sounds like, only to reveal, yup, they are. Well, no. I think part of it is just to kind of refresh the idea and then also like get Sarah Paulson's character involved into it. I think that the difference in this one is that you start off the movie thinking that they are superheroes. You start off the movie, Bruce Willis is a superhero, James McAvoy is a supervillain, Samuel L. Jackson is a supervillain. Like they that's how you start the movie off. Um and it does play with the idea during the middle where you're like well, maybe I'm questioning every, even the ending of Split and Unbreakable. Maybe they're not actually superheroes. Maybe this is all, you know, can be explained away. Okay, well, can continue. An unreliable continue. director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> so keep, keep, keep going then. I am my, I'm curious because okay. I kind of, well. So eventually, <laughs> Glass tries to start plotting something with um what do we want to call the beast yeah the beast right (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so they make a plan to basically well glass basically tries to convince the beast to fight the is his name the undertaker the the overseer the overseer excuse me that's his superhero name it's bad bruce willis bruce willis's character they call him the overseer yeah i think that's like that's stupid i think it was introduced in this movie right yeah i had never heard that term before i hated it actually i did not like the name (laughs) (laughs) okay well okay so continue and the whole thing is is that they want to do it at the Osaka Tower, which is like this new amazing tower that's being built in Philadelphia. They bring it up many times throughout the movie casually that like there's this new tower being built in Philadelphia, tallest tower in the city. Ton of media footage. There's going to be an know. opening. Glass gets it in his head that they should fight on the top of that tower with all the media footage, which is what I was mentioning earlier. So this this has to be a tie-in to Die Hard. Nakatomi Plaza, Battle on the Rooftop. It's got to be, right? Honestly, I thought so when I first saw it because it casually like glances over like a magazine cover where it's mentioned and I was like, wait. <laughs> the, the big reveal is that Bruce Willis was actually wearing a wife beater underneath his psychiatric outfit the whole time. <laughs> he takes it off. He well, suddenly has hair again. <laughs> <laughs> that That's one of the many twists, though, is that it's... It's setting up to be a traditional style superhero finale. Big climax, whole thing, climbing tops of buildings, much you know, action, city, CGI. But then they don't go there. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the big fight actually happens on the grounds in front of the psychiatric hospital. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier about being like, more small scale and sort of sort of a uh, subverting expectations of what you might think about in a normal superhero movie. Is this is that the scene? It looks stupid as hell in the trailers, where the beast is like running yeah. across the lawn. Does that look as stupid in action as it did in the trailer? When it happens, I was like, "Is that CG?" Because if McAvoy can do that, like, 
it looked good i'm not gonna lie like i thought in the trailer i was kind of like what (laughs) but out of context i think it seems kind of goofy but in the context of the scene you've kind of been building to that you've seen him already like displaying his powers a bit and so when he does that i was like what (laughs) top of his gym class in bear crawls (laughs) (laughs) he watched a lot of videos on bears so that's how he knows how to do that <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, so this is where. So the big fight. I'm assuming this is between the beast and the overseer. Yes. But the fight does not end the way that you would expect because another twist. <laughs> Sarah Paulson is not actually just a psychiatrist who specializes. She's a bitch. <laughs> she is part of a secret society. That maintains order in the world that have been around for 10,000 years that have stopped superhero type people from being known, from destroying the world. And comics are the way that they have communicated with each other, maybe? That part was sort of vague and unclear, the comic relation. And the way they identify themselves are with three-leaf clovers. Tattooed on the inside of their wrist. Because they are not special. (laughs) (laughs) Not four leaf clovers. You heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And they have their secret meetings at public restaurants and they wait until everyone leaves until they can conduct them. (laughs) So I do want to say, actually, there's two scenes. There's two. No, no, Matt, Matt, Matt. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before Before you break this down and tell me why this is stupid. I just want to say that that probably some of the best directing in the film is during those two restaurant scenes because it's just like crowded restaurants. There's background noise. People are chatting. All of a sudden, like a couple a couple leaves. It stops. Everyone stops. It's quiet. And then they start their meeting like they're all already there sitting at the table, seeming like normal people. As soon as the people leave that aren't a part of the meeting, bam, meeting starts. Super top secret. You're not fucking with me, right? Like, <laughs> no, that's a- no. But it's it's some really cool directing, I thought, because it, especially the first time it happens, you're not expecting it. You just are watching this restaurant scene, and all of a sudden, you're like, "Wait, what's going on? What's happening?" But it's very, I'm the way I'm making it sound sounds kind of cheesy, but I feel like it's pretty subtle, actually. Early especially for best screenplay. Yes. Class. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I I understand that in context you guys are trying to defend it, but I don't know how s- that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. I oh, there's so many so many reasons why you would not do it. Like, oh cool, you have the cool moment where everyone who's not a superhero leaves and it's like, "Okay, are we good?" No, okay, no, no, meeting. No. They're not superheroes. Well, but this organization is trying to like, like suppress the information. Yeah. <laughs> What about the people who work at the restaurant? So they obviously have it like the people that work there, the every like everyone is a member. Yeah, dude, the the chef has the tattoo on his wrist too. <laughs> no, they don't show that. But it's very clear. They might. Okay, so <laughs> So here's the thing. I know you're trying to pick this apart and I know you I'm sure you could, but visual I was saying visually. Yeah, yeah. Plot-wise, no, it's not the most like steady yeah. best thing ever. Script-wise, no. But like visually, it's just a really cool piece of scene. And that that that's cool, but 
I mean, I think you guys both know that those are the kinds of things in movies. Oh, like yeah. you could, that can completely derail the train for me. It'll make like, you climb up the wall, literally. Yeah, mo- <laughs> most of. Part that was the main issue I had with Split was just those stupid, unbelievable screenplay moments that just don't make any sense, and I I can pick apart. It sounds like this movie has a lot of those, which would explain why it's reviewing so poorly. It sounds like yeah. it kind of comes down to how much that stuff bothers you, or if it even bothers you at all, really. If you can just let yourself go and embrace, uh, you know, this world that M. Night Shyamalan has created, sure, but yeah. that doesn't sound like something that I would get down I with. think that's probably the main reason why people are having issues with it, and also it is it kind of sells you something that you don't get. And I think people were just disappointed by it. Yeah. Like all the stuff that I said, I liked about it, about it subverting expectations. Like people love those types of things. They love big climactic <laughs> end of, you know, the action scene at the end, which it did. I mean, it had action, but it was just very different from what you normally see. Okay. So let's get into the, the, the biggest twist of the movie. Right. I thought wait, that was the biggest twist. What are we talking about? Well, so they eventually, all three of the main characters die. Oh, yeah. They all fucking die. Sorry. Yeah. So the continuation <laughs> of that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> forgot about that. No. So, yeah. So after Sarah, it's revealed that Sarah Paulson is part of this group. And then also there's also someone on like their, the police come eventually to the action scene. SWAT and stuff. And they die before you figure out that she's part of this kind of at the same time like it's sort of intercut with these scenes of of you see the tattoos on the wrist you're like wait what is that it sort of intercuts them dying with you want us to spoil 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 it yeah at this point i'm well yeah i I feel like we already have so what happens in the final showdown is beast and the overseer fight um they both get injured. Well, yes. the, the overseer gets injured, and then he's kind of like just laying there on the ground. Because, you know, as we all know, his weakness is water, much like yeah. the aliens inside. He gets thrown in a water <laughs> tank that's conveniently outside. They do. They No, he says conveniently outside. They do actually, like, refer to it earlier. So it's not just like, oh, this random water tank is here. It is convenient, but it is at least... Every building needs a water tank in plain sight. So basically the biggest <laughs> thing about this movie... Open, like an open... Water tanks aren't just open. How did he fall in? No, it was on the ground. He gets yeah, but like, it's just thrown open? into it and it breaks. Oh, so he goes... Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it is covered though. Okay. So the biggest thing about this movie that I could say is if you are not suspending your disbelief, if you're trying to analyze it... You're going to come up pretty short. And there's a lot of stuff like you were talking about that could very easily bother you that like in other movies I might have qualms with. I was pretty sold on this from the beginning. I was in it. I was with the world. And I think that's why I enjoyed it so much is because that kind of stuff I can fully acknowledge that that seems dumb. But it, while I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about that. I was too busy enjoying so myself. They're all conflicted. Overseer's hurt. Beast is like confused or doesn't really know what to do and then word gets out that uh it was the beast dad was on the same train as bruce willis yes so bruce willis is okay so bruce willis's son actually does research and figures out that james mcavoy's dad died on that train and so they convinced the beast to 
like turn on glass so he just destroys glass like throws him out of his chair and he crumbles in a million pieces <laughs> he, he breaks all his bones and it is disgusting but also really cool and then i think yeah anya taylor joy's character is trying to console the beast and i forget what takes place first but he eventually gets shot by the swat team yeah and then the swat team drowns the overseer in a puddle yeah, literally in yes. a puddle. Well, because he's already weak. <laughs> Matt is making his it's a pretty uh, big puddle, serious but... face palm. <laughs> no, okay. So Anya Taylor-Joy is consoling the beast. She says his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb, like a bunch of times. She gets Kevin. He says, you know, I'm like stuff like, I'm so happy that you care about me. I'm happy that like we found each other, like blah, 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 which was also where I was like, mm no you didn't find each other you kidnapped you but it's fine <laughs> um and then that's the point when he's calm she sees a red dot on his chest sniper boom he's dead <laughs> he gets shot and then as he's dying he says it he's still kevin the kevin personality and he's like you know it's it actually this feels like a relief i'm i'm you know i'm not tied down anymore like i'm, I'm happy that's to be dying five stars are coming from honestly a big part of those five stars is james mcavoy like i he gave a fucking killer performance and i was i was willing to look over a lot of stuff because i was really enjoying james mcavoy (laughs) so yeah everyone's all there and then i forget okay so what what was the significance of so isn't that how they find out that she's part of the secret society or whatever? Because Bruce Willis touches Sarah Paulson and then yes. he has like... So, he oh, can, like, we forgot to mention this. Bruce Willis sort of has psychic powers. Yeah, he can like see into if people. He, <laughs> if he physically touches them, he can see moments. Yes, right. like that's from Unbreakable, yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. And yeah. that's how he finds... That's how he finds earlier. Uh, the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually brushes against him and he sees the place where the girls are tied up. In the trailer, yep. <laughs> All right. No, well, at least saying, you like, saw the trailer, the, man. A lot of this stuff is in <laughs> <laughs> You got the trailer down. <laughs> Matt watched the trailer of this 50 yeah. times to prepare. <laughs> that equals C in the movie, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he brushes past her and sees what one of the meetings. That's how we're introduced to the meeting. They, or He like reaches out to her or something while he's being drowned yeah he touches her he realizes what what's going on and then she says something like but did i but did i convince you did i convince you enough like for a moment that you were not a superhero because essentially the meaning of the group like their actual purpose is sort of unclear as far as like it was sort of hazy for me the group yeah but it seemed like they were trying to prevent superheroes from it's realizing that they're superheroes. Like they to, don't want superheroes in the world, so they try and convince them that they aren't special. Right. They don't. They don't actually want to kill them. This it, we find out in the what I thought was the mid credit scene was not. It was just the end. Um, <laughs> um, that they are not. They normally don't kill people. That's like a very, very, very last resort. They really try not to do that it's more like they try to convince them that they're not superheroes or they try to place them in situations in which they wouldn't need to use their powers etc yeah they're trying to suppress the special this just sounds like x-men or the incredibles even like suppressing mutant slash superhero that's essentially what he's getting at is 
what other movies have tried to do. So he's not subverting anything. He's literally just like kind of expounding upon uh, pre-established like create like superhero. But I think the whole thing is is that this is the real world, and those other ones aren't necessarily. It feels no. It feels much more. I know what Travis is saying. It feels much more grounded in reality because it is so small scale. Because he isn't doing the big in X Men in Incredibles, just like in all the Marvel movies. They do. They have. The action, the climax, the turn, the when the the ultimate climax, the huge action sequence, and then the resolution. In M Night's universe, Marvel is fiction, but Glass Unbreakable and Split are. Did real. you see though on the he does make a nod to Marvel um, on the magazine cover where you keep seeing Osaka Tower. Um, he goes, "It's a it's a marvel of science," but the mar the Marvel is written in the Marvel font. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this with my roommate, Yasmin, and uh, she did not notice that. So I think it's pretty, like, low-key. Like, only if you, like, are into that stuff would you notice. Okay, so that kind of ties up that twist or reveal. And then we get to the final reveal type thing. Oh, my thing. God. We're not even there yet. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's... Travis keeps talking about reveals. No, and no, every no. time I'm like, ooh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so... They're all essentially dead. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, fuck, what now? And then Sarah Paulson goes to a comic book store. And this is the best. And I feel like an idiot for not seeing this coming. So she's at the comic book store and she overhears these two nerds talking about comics. And it's it's about Miss... I forget the character's name, but it's like whoever Glass is based on in like the comic Because all of these characters are based on comic book characters that haven't been realized in movies. So he basically, the kid says something along the lines of like, oh, he always has like a master plan or a backup plan. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, he always has a plan behind the plan. Like he's a mastermind. And then the final twist (laughs) is that you realize he did have a plan. And you saw him earlier doing this, but you didn't really fully understand what was going on. The dumbest part about this, though, is that they make such a point to emphasize that there's a hundred cameras installed into the place at the er, at the beginning of the movie. Yes, and it's like, well, you knew why that was are something. We focusing on, like, why tell I us thought, that at the start? I thought the that start, was just though. so that they would know he was outside of his room. Like, so right. or late. But they're like, they kind of touch on that, like, halfway through when he's outside and he's, like, very purposefully outside of his room. So they, like, see it's him. It's something like, you okay. should see a mile away, but you don't. And they allude to it. Um, you but know that it, there's something to do with the cameras because they really emphasize Because they're like, we, we installed 100, camera, 100 cameras around this campus, so we will see everything. So, if you know, wherever you are, we'll capture it. So then the, the twist of the movie is that Glass has, like, broadcast those 100 cameras or recorded all that footage, got it, and then... Um, Sent it as a link. His mom and, you to know, a private on, server. Anya Taylor-Joy or whatever broadcast it for the whole world. And uh, Bruce Willis' son. Yeah. So they get together. They get this link. They team up. And then it's like a viral, like, and ev- at the end, at it the ends end. <laughs> with everyone getting it, like, on their phones and watching They're it. in a train station, and all three of them are sitting on a bench, and they, like, upload it or whatever. And then they, like, slowly start to see everyone else watch it and be like, oh my God, did you see this? That part was honestly kind of cheesy. I was <laughs> like, was. Mm, I hate this. I really don't like when movies do that as a. It's a, it's a good way to show. 
like a viral video, but I'm sorry, viral videos, people don't all realize at the same time. It was time, like strangers like, talking to each other like, oh my God, did you see that? Like, like literally, I could t- I, one very nitpicky moment I had where I, a woman was sitting on the bench. There was a young man next to her, probably in his 20s, looking real punked out. The woman looked like a soccer mom. She leans over to him and goes, did you look at your phone? Like, like you can't hear her, but it, like she's very much, did you look at your phone? And then he goes, Oh, surprise face, because it's all just you're seeing it, right? Goes, oh, surprise face, and looks over at her phone, and then she, like, pushes him away. (laughs) Like, you could tell they were, like, extras and, like, not fully. It was bad. That was my most nitpicky thing with the movie. But he does decide to basically conclude it, like... He and he doesn't. He said he doesn't want to make sequels anymore. Like he wants to stick to original stuff. But like he could have easily opened up the door for like his own X Men universe. I think that that this was like the third in his trilogy, right? I think that planning wise, yeah, it could end. It it didn't open it up for a sequel the way some movies do, where you're like, oh my fucking god, that literally just happened, so there could be a sequel. But it technically is open for a sequel. Because it expands the world or whatever. Yes. You know, in with, a way. with the group, with the group that suppresses superheroes, I thought, well, this group still exists. That hasn't, quote unquote, resolved. So it's like the Continental of John Wick. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me get, the, let me just get the implication straight. So essentially, there's a secret society who's trying to suppress superheroes in the public knowing that there are superheroes out there in the world or not necessarily superheroes people with supernatural abilities so a vi they release the footage from the psychiatric hospital which essentially shows that there are people with supernatural abilities so the whole world now knows that there are people that have superpowers basically right yes okay i'm very glad i did not have to sit through this piece of shit because this all sounds horrible to me (laughs) So how did we do, Matt? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> did we describe the movie for you in a way that made you want to tear your eyes out? Or <laughs> uh, I now feel like uh, I don't need to see the movie in a theater. I am curious to see to like you know watch the movie once it comes out, but uh, I can almost guarantee I would have hated this and probably found way more nitpicky things that you guys aren't bringing up because you both liked it. Yeah. I bet I would have found like a bunch of bullshit that would have upset me. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I gave it a five stars and I still had a lot of nitpicky. I just, there's some movies you walk out of and you immediately are like, oh my God, this thing, A, B, C, D, like I've got so many qualms with this, but I walked out and I was just like, man, that was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, anything else you guys want to say on glass before we uh, move on to the rest of the show? I think we pretty much covered it. Oh, were you going to, Oh, no, we discovered that it was not a mid-credits scene. Yeah, I don't know why I thought that the final meeting was a mid-credits scene um, where Sarah Paulson is in the restaurant. Because there's two restaurant scenes with the with the, they have the secret yeah. meeting. I feel like maybe there was like the original or the beginning part of the credits and then it goes into that instead of the actual credits. But you said you didn't stay for the credits, so I don't know. I was very confused. It's been a while. It's I mean, there's like have, obvious so. cuts and like jumps in time. So maybe that's why you maybe thought it was like a, a mid credits sequence. That's but. fair. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, uh, that is going to do it for glass. I think uh, we'll have to get a final counter after I've edited this thing. But I think that might go down in the record books as like the longest 
Jesus. review that we've done on the show. It's definitely up there. We're, we're looking at like 50 solid minutes of Glass Talk. Granted, granted, a lot of it was you guys explaining the whole movie yes. to me. So That's that cool. makes sense. But That was kind of like in Hold the Dark. When we just had to we just, tell you about yeah, the Yeah, we just did a service. So if you, if you don't want to see the movie, just listen to the listen spoiler to cast and uh, get the whole thing recap for you. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, let's move into what else we've been watching. Um, I have a cup. I have two new movies, a couple rewatches, and a TV show I wanted to talk about. Um, Travis, I'm assuming you have a um, fair amount. I have a ton of stuff, but I'll probably touch on a few. Okay, yeah, knock out a couple. All right. Um, I will start with. Oh, I saw They Shall Not Grow Old. The documentary that Tom saw. The oh yes, the Peter Jackson World War One. Yeah. Right? Okay. I liked it a lot. I don't remember exactly what Tom said about it, but um, it seemed like he liked it but didn't love it. Yes. Like he was maybe you know thought it was worth a watch, but it wasn't amazing. He was impressed by it, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if he stayed for the. There was like a half hour making of documentary after it with Peter Jackson. Really, which was pretty cool. Yeah. He, like, opens the movie saying, like, oh, because it's, like, a Fathom event, you know? So he says, like, oh, you know, thanks for coming to check this out, blah, 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 And if you stay after the credits, there's, like, a 30-minute making of documentary. Oh, okay. And he gets into all the aspects of, like, the behind the scenes of making it and, like, re- um, not remastering, but um, what's the term? Yeah, like restoring, uh, restoring yeah, and restoring the footage. Whatever, yeah. It's doing crazy whatever though what color the original image came from to like the final image and like just like how much work went into like polishing it up and like it was such old footage that like the film started to like cr- crumble a bit. So he had to like, I don't know, totally like revamp it because it would be like all jittery and he'd have to like get the frame rate right and everything and then like colorizing it he like flew to where the like actual battles or locations took place to try and get a sense of the like the shades of green of grass and everything and like just a ton of research and he had like access to like hundreds of thousands of hours of footage and he had to like cut it down to like an hour and a half but it's essentially just footage just strung together and then there's not really like a plot but there's a through line and it's just like veterans like being interviewed and they're just explaining their experience of it and i thought that was kind of cool because it was all from their perspective because they actually experienced it like there's no sort of like voiceover or explaining that peter jackson does or any sort of like yeah like angle that he's coming from literally just their story yeah but um yeah like all the stuff that tom got into was pretty interesting about like the kids lying about their age and like them not knowing how to react around a camera so like they'd be filming and they'd be like sitting still because they don't know if they're getting their picture taken or if they're actually being filmed on video and like they didn't know just to like act natural and let them be recorded because they've that technology is so brand new technology yeah but yeah like all the i forget the term but like the the sound effects that you have to make for a film it's i think it starts with an m do you know what i'm talking about mixing no i don't know i don't uh, know what you're saying well like he had to like recreate a lot of the sounds to like add some like texture to it you know right because it was literally just like whatever sound they were able to capture on like the the 
yeah so video, for like example the can, like the film that they had restored basically yeah so yeah because he had basically provided all the audio for it so he did the interview stuff and then like he'd add certain things like people marching or like if there was a scene of someone digging a hole or something he would actually like get sound effects for that but like it all lines up really good and like they even like had people redo the dialogue so they'd only see like the mouths moving and they'd have to like try and figure out what the dialogue was and they'd have people come in and like speak it so they could match it so i wanted to ask about that because uh tom didn't really talk about that much but in the trailer it really seems like they have people like recreating the dialogue like voice actors recreating the dialogue of what they're saying in there because i assume they didn't have sound on the original recordings yeah well one of the stories that was part of the making of documentary was pretty awesome like they couldn't figure out what this guy was saying and it was a pretty long like it was like a speech to like it was like almost like a battle speech like that a commander was doing yeah yeah and they like tracked down like the time and place of that and then they went into like these like old like historical books or whatever like artifacts and they found the speech like on a card and then they like had someone speak it and then they would try and match it up to the like the visual to see if like it matched match the it cadence match. with it yeah. and so like That's so cool. yeah just the like just the the making of was pretty fascinating um but yeah it was a little slow like the first 20 or 30 minutes or so but yeah. like i really started to get invested in just like the just the craft of it, but it was it was pretty awesome. I would yeah. definitely recommend it. It seemed like quite an undertaking. Yeah, and it was just like a total passion project for him, like because he had old relatives in the war and stuff. So he just oh, okay. wanted to like he said this is like one of his most personal films he's made, even though it's not really about him necessarily. But he yeah. kind of wanted to pay tribute to all the troops and like his relatives and stuff. But that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Um, and then I also saw. Oh, I watched Destroyer, but I kind of want Matt here for that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I really... Okay, so that popped up on my, like, AMC thing as a possibility to see, and I had that... I had the option to see that or Serenity, and I chose Serenity. Mm. Um, Did you go to Pacific Place? I did. I did go to Pacific Place to see Serenity, and I can talk about that now if you want me to a little bit. Um, Probably want to wait for Matt, but um, (laughs) I, uh, I saw Vice on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. He did not like that (laughs) yeah yeah um so i saw this with my friend and roommate yasmin she is my movie buddy as of late since we both have amc a-list and she loves movies just as much as i do we're actually having an oscars party in february (laughs) that i think uh, matt signed you and chelsea to come okay (laughs) yeah i'd be down yeah um but anywho um she had actually i actually saw this by myself vice um because she went and saw it at sif and she hated it Mm. uh yasmin yasmin saw vice and she fucking hated it um i really enjoyed it i gave this movie a four and a half stars um i i know mad's face just went (laughs) (laughs) um i I thought the big short was better, but I loved how stylized it was. I loved the humor. I had only a few qualms in that. Um, I think that, uh, Steve Carell was slightly underused in it, um, as Donald Rumsfeld. He was great, but I felt like, 
I could have used more of him. He was awesome. Um, I, Christian Bale's physical transformation was insane. I was here for it, just like <laughs> I was here for it in The Machinist. And I don't know. I, I, I felt like it was really funny. So I came home from that movie and all my roommates were home and I came home and I was like, I feel radicalized <laughs> when I go out in the streets and fucking throw shit. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, a, uh, no, nothing to specifically to, to fight against, but, uh, <laughs> um, and then, oh, yeah, one thing I did want to talk about that is that when the credits came up, uh, Tyler Perry's name came up and, uh, there weren't very many people in my theater, but, um, two of the girls in front of me went, Tyler Perry, did he play Colin Powell? What? And like, I was shook because literally that was exactly the same thing I was thinking. I was like, Tyler Perry was in this? Who did he play? Oh, I guess he must have played Colin Powell. Oh my god, because he's the only black guy in the movie. <laughs> did he? Uh, Tyler Perry was Colin Powell. Yeah, hundred percent. Really? Yes. Oh, I, I hopped the fuck out of there after the credit started, so I, I didn't even notice that was Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, I mean, he actually gave a really good performance uh, as Colin Powell. I was didn't think it was Tyler Perry, so anytime that happens, I think it's a good performance. I only know what Tyler Perry looks like from Gone Girl, and I've only seen that movie once, so you could you could swap Tyler Perry in for like Terry Crews, or like I probably wouldn't know what he looks like. Really? You could swap Tyler Perry for Terry Crews. I feel like their only similarities are that they are black men. Strip away all of, like, if, if T- Terry Crews pulled a Christian Bale in The Machinist and just <laughs> lost all of the muscle, he would look like Tyler Perry. <laughs> okay, Terry, Tyler, Perry, Crews, you know. <laughs> Alright, so this is the episode of the podcast where we find out Matt doesn't know how to tell the difference between people. He has face blindness. <laughs> because they look nothing alike. I don't, I don't know what Tyler Perry looks like. I only know it from Gone Girl. What? He's got... Doesn't he have like a shitty little goatee usually? Like you said, me. Like a shitty little... Me. I'm Tyler Perry. Me. Like, <laughs> Maybe. Doesn't he usually he have... Doesn't look I think like usually Terry he has... I think usually he has, like, glasses, and he's, like, in kind of yeah. a muumuu dress, and, like, he's got white hair. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's Medea. I'm talking about Medea. <laughs> so there was a couple things that both Travis and I saw that we wanted to wait to talk about until you were here. Oh, okay. Um, well, I can talk about... I watched... Um, uh, that f- what, so there's two fire festival documentaries yes, that just came I out. I want to watch both of them, but I feel like they're like competing for my attention right now. <laughs> so I watched the Netflix one. Um, that is the parody one. No, n- neither of them are parodies. Yeah, one of them is a mockumentary, isn't it? No, neither of them are. They're both documentaries. No shit. Someone told me that the one of them. Was, I thought the Netflix one was a mockumentary. No. <laughs> They're both uh, documentary films, and uh, oh, <laughs> you could just ask me to grab you a beer, you know. <laughs> okay, I was trying to be cool and not have it recorded on the uh, fucking podcast. Well, Travis, Travis got up to go to the bathroom, and then Paris got up from the table too. I was like, well, am I just going to be at the table by myself talking? <laughs> Matt feels uh, very lonely when people leave him. He doesn't like to be alone. Well, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> you got up to go to. Th- a beer. 
she she didn't say what she was doing. She got up from the table. I was like, where are you going? I was trying to be cool. I signaled to you like casually so this whole thing wouldn't be recorded. Well, it's on tape now. So sorry, I had to go. Do you unleash carnage on that uh, that potty? Oh yeah. <laughs> it was uh, what Matt likes to call another Italian dinner night. <laughs> oh God. Um. <laughs> So I was about to talk about the the fire documentary, uh, the yes. Netflix one. Did the you watch this? Pretend that everyone else is talking about. Yes. Uh, no, I did not. Uh, so I watched the Netflix one, not the Hulu one. It sound based on what I've read about these two documentaries. It sounds like the the Hulu one is a little bit more flippant and a little. It's maybe less, that's the one I thought was a mockumentary because I thought one of them was a mockumentary. They, it sounds like the Hulu one takes a little bit more of a comedic approach. Like what a clusterfuck! This whole thing was crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow. Matt that should narrate all fucking comedic the documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> So this, the Netflix one it is a little bit more serious. You watch the Netflix one. I watch the Netflix okay. one, yes. Fire. I, there's a subtitle, but it, it's called Fire. And uh, I'm sure most of the people who are listening at least have a, a general grasp of what this was. Because this was like a social media, like the Fire Festival failure was all over the place. But it was pretty interesting because you started the planning stages well no you started like who is this guy who started it they kind of his name is billy magnuson wasn't it jaw rule yeah, yeah he was his partner so jaw rule was like the celebrity like, do we need to know who jaw rule is like, but there was like a lot more behind the story that i didn't know like they were fire was a company where essentially like i could log into the fire app and i could book jaw rule for my birthday party yeah it's i heard like, it being like spun as like tinder but for booking artists you basically (laughs) cut out the middleman so artists like opt in and they have a fee and you can just book them to play whatever you can play your venue your birthday party your fucking bat mitzvah like whatever it is fucking bat mitzvah (laughs) i would have i would have ja rule play my fucking bat mitzvah (laughs) so i didn't know that stuff but it's I mean, uh, it was interesting because I didn't really know that much about the story other than the failure of the actual festival as far as like the tents that were waterlogged and all the bands canceled the and it was just a shit show. The, uh, cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I did see a meme relatively recently or like an image thing where the there was a guy talking about how he won tickets to the fire festival in, in like a raffle. So he's just like a regular guy, like isn't super wealthy. And he said, honestly, it was pretty funny to see these like super rich kids, like be slightly dehydrated. Oh, their food was shitty. Like he's like, that's my everyday life. And my middle school or middle-class soul was pretty satisfied. And that's, a fly that's on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly a part of it because like the people who were being interviewed, they're describing it as this like harrowing adventure like we we didn't know where we were gonna sleep people were going nuts trying to find tents and beds and it's like it's a fucking tropical island what happened worst case scenario you fucking slept under the stars in this super like like beautiful on the beach like fuck off so that part was kind of funny um so the conditions weren't as bad as they were being no it it, it sounded like a shit show but mo- almost all of the festival attendees that they interviewed so it, it was blown out of proportion no it one was, was ever like, in like 
danger of nobody dying. died people freaked out because it was a bunch of privileged rich people in an environment where things were completely out of their control and not at all up to their standards so it was a shit show okay and it was pretty fucked like the 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 planning that went into it well, was super paid half-assed. a ton of money right yeah, yes I, I would be also pretty pissed if i paid a shit ton of money to go to this festival and then it turned out that it was actually a fucking crapshoot like yes but i mean if you think about it that sounds kind of cool like to ex- to have experienced that like i wouldn't oh. be like because i think i don't know if they ended up getting their money back i don't think so like no right but how you know, even if they didn't get their money back, like it was still kind of funny to see like all these people. Like they have all these like uh, like cell phone clips, right? People during the uh, the journey, let's say, <laughs> taking like cell phone clips of the stuff that was happening, and it was pretty interesting. I mean, basically, it's about a guy who uh, is very arrogant and very confident basically scamming a bunch of people into following his business ventures it's a story i've heard before but it was it was interesting i think i logged it like a three and a half it was having not known most of the details it was at least entertaining but it it was well made but it wasn't anything like are you it's not a must intrigued enough to see to watch the hulu one as well i considered watching the hulu one right after i finished the netflix one but i decided against because some it. people are saying that you got to watch both that's and some people are saying don't bother with any of it yeah. so i don't that's, i don't know that's probably where i'm gonna be at <laughs> so i saw another thing about the fire festival where there was a woman from that was a local woman from the area who uh went like thou- tens of thousands of dollars into debt did they did they touch on that because i feel like that was kind of yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, like, a bunch of rich kids had to, like, deal with, like, mediocre conditions, but I feel like that's more, like, important. Yes, so she's she's actually one of the main, not one of the main subjects, but there's there's kind of two main locals that opted to participate in the interviews. One was a guy who worked, like, on the work crew, people building all the stuff. A lot of his guys never got paid, but the other, yes, was that woman who did all the catering, owned the restaurant, and there is a moment where she, like, breaks down. She says she hates talking about it. She basically had to spend all of her savings just to recuperate from this, and that was the moment where it was, like, fuck, this isn't just a bunch of, like, privileged white kids who got screwed out of their parents' money to go to this festival, you know what I mean? Like, that was the moment where it was at least, like, oh, wow, there was actually real-world consequences from this. Like, someone completely, like, outside of all of the context of fire and social media and this big extravagant like festival that was being planned this is this local woman who was just an innocent bystander and got fucked because a bunch of arrogant dudes decided they wanted to put on this extravagant festival and it failed because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing well happy ending i did hear that there was a gofundme that started and she got all of her money back yes i heard that as well that's good did that happen like as a result of the documentary like very recently okay yeah okay um that's really all i have to say on that um i was gonna talk about destroyer did you see destroyer paris no so i was telling travis earlier i had the option to see serenity or destroyer and i chose to see serenity because destroyer looked okay but no the trailer looked fucking amazing i didn't see the trailer (laughs) so this is the thing i was going simply (laughs) off of the amc description of the movie in like where you can reserve your tickets okay 
So well, let's do that. So Travis, you do Destroyer. Paris yeah. can do Serenity. Let's 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 tackle these. That two. was fucking hype to see Destroyer. I made a joke, I think, on the best of episode that Alan would have a top nine to reserve a spot for Destroyer. <laughs> and the biggest disappointment of the year is wow. Destroyer. <laughs> really. I logged it at a, at a two and a half. Ooh. And most movies I will give a pass to, which that's is like, three that's stars. Like, that's like Vice for me. I was super hyped for Vice, and I gave that a two and a half, too. Yeah. Um, so I'll try and explain why I didn't like it. First of all, it's pretty fucking boring. I don't know if it was just because I saw it late at night or if it's just a boring movie, but I didn't feel like tiredness or like sleep really was playing a factor. I was just fucking bored and i feel like that should be the movie that should keep me entertained and awake or whatever if i'm starting it at like 10 o'clock at night yeah can you give me like a really like a one minute plot synopsis so nicole kidman's character is like some sort of detective and she has like her in her past she did like a a heist as like undercover okay and there's events that happen in that heist that kind of haunt her to today. But you don't really get that up front. It kind of unfolds over the course of the movie. Okay. But she's just like, she's kind of been through it all, has had a tough life. Like, you can see it on her face. Yeah. Like, she looks terrible. Oh, no. Her wig is terrible in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Kidman's had some pretty bad wigs in her career. Yeah. Um. I mean, her performance is all right, but I don't think it was like, best performance ever or like it was getting a ton of praise and i think it was good but it just i think it's probably getting praise just because it's different and she looks yeah. ugly and i mean she's like a the beautiful main thing person that, yeah the main thing that made me want to see it was nicole kidman she's yeah a great actress and also that she was playing something like a role she doesn't i i haven't seen her in before like a, yeah. a cop that's been undercover and like that that was kind of in the description and i was like that sounds intriguing yeah, and I thought it was cool to see a movie trying to take a different perspective and have a woman as the lead for that type of story. But it was just really boring, and like the, it's kind of hard to follow because it's all over the place in the timeline, and it tries to set up a few like twists to reveal that I feel like I like saw from the beginning or just like was dissatisfied with towards the end. Like the way the thing that the movie's building up to. Like you kind of figure that out early on and then the the final like moment or whatever, you're just like, oh, okay, whatever, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um the cup the high scenes were cool, like the couple that were in there, but like I don't know, it just reminded me of like a really bad episode or two of True Detective. <laughs> oh, it's like a season two? Yes. True that's Detective. what I described it as to Matt. I said it's okay. just a a bloated episode of season two of True Detective. <laughs> Fair enough. Because it's super like just like depressing and like you know everyone's shitty in the movie. <laughs> you don't really have anyone to root for. Yeah, and uh, Toby Kebbell is like the like the ringleader of the the group. Toby Kebbell is the kind of like he, uh, like this is super mean, but he kind of looks like he might be inbred. <laughs> Toby Keppel. Toby. <laughs> Who is this guy? I've never. He was in Kong Skull Island. He plays a uh, one of the apes. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I think he's. Isn't he Koba? Hey, I'm, I'm pulling 
Oh yeah, all of his Toby Kebbell. So on IMDb, like most of his like role pictures are him as fucking Koba. No. <laughs> 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 Reporting for duty, sir. No, no. God damn it. So, okay, is that that was him? Yeah, that's him. He's in uh, an episode of Black Mirror. Mm. That's how I know. Yeah. So that's where I recognize him from. He looks okay. He looks pretty much identical to my old roommate, Chris. Did you remember Chris? I never actually met Chris. Oh my god. So he looks pretty much identical to my old roommate, Chris. (laughs) Who, like, had a quote-unquote career trying to be a model. He does not look inbred. He just looks like a dumb, handsome man. I may not be the smartest, but I sure know how to act in movies. I'm taking the mic away from Matt because I'm extraordinarily uncomfortable with what is happening. Anyways, he was totally hamming it up and just not a good villain. I feel like like he's not the best actor. He's not. Okay. And it tries to do this whole thing with Gil and like the whole this like relationship that her and Sebastian Stan have in the movie, but Ooh, Sebastian Stan. None of it really worked for me and I was very disappointed. And I don't even know if a rewatch would help. Really? Yeah. It's just like I thought the movie was made for me and it did it to me. In the way like you talked about Nicole Kidman getting like quote unquote ugly. For the film, do you feel like it sort of was trying to play on the monster thing with Charlize Theron, where like because she looks so bad and so different from how she normally looks, people are able to take her more seriously? Maybe I don't know. I think she's a pretty good actress, regardless. And I think that's kind of what they were going for, though. Like, oh, let's dress her up as something no one's seen her as before, and like she'll get praised for it, but. Right. Monsters yeah. in a completely different league. That movie rocks. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that all you have to say on Destroyer? Yeah. All right, Paris. No spoilers, but uh, let's hear about this uh, Serenity film everyone's talking about. Okay. So it's going to be really hard not to spoil this because this movie, Serenity, was a giant piece of hot dog garbage. <laughs> it smelled all the way out of the theater. Couldn't get the was stink it steamy? off me. Real steamy. <laughs> like sitting on the sidewalk in a warm july morning i meant like steaming steamy it up. in like a sexy way no no <laughs> Darn. it was steamy in a shit way <laughs> you could smell it all the way no um without giving anything away i'm people keep asking how did this movie get made and i sort of touched on this with matt and travis before we started recording but I know how this movie got made, and it got made because Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey wanted to get paid to go on a vacation to a tropical island <laughs> because the movie takes place in a beautiful paradise tropical island. But I swear to God, they are both Academy Award winners. The director has been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, he directed Locke, which was critically acclaimed. Locke, I, Locke had its issues, but but not in the way that this does. <laughs> I'm like, not the biggest Locke, fan of Locke. I, I Me mean neither, but... Locke was not a hot, steaming pile of garbage. Dog garbage. Hot dog (laughs) garbage, yes. Serenity was... So halfway through the film, I went with Yasmin again, like I've said, my movie buddy. And halfway through the film... No, she felt the exact same way that I did. Okay. Halfway through the film, we both looked at each other 
And afterward, we talked about like how we were both planning on maybe walking out. Like it was that bad. It was laughable. We were not the only people laughing in the theater. There was a couple in front of us and a couple next to us that were both cracking up at the same points. Like it was. Oh no. It was. <laughs> so bad and it was so strange to see such quality like people that can give such quality performances just not even phone it in like in hathaway was clearly could have been replaced like i'm sure the script called for any hot blonde and Anne hathaway talk about terrible wigs she was a terrible <laughs> terrible wigged blonde um matthew mcconaughey honestly the reason i didn't give this zero stars or a half star is because matthew mcconaughey is the best part of it he's still doing his best to act well like i could have had a one-man show with him and i would have found it more interesting than this fucking piece of shit movie the trailer was intriguing but it looked like it could be one of those like terrible thrillers <laughs> it's it's really so it's an interestingly conceptual movie and in the right hands it could have been amazing right hands right script but i swear to god halfway through i was like are you fucking kidding me did they use the fishing line as like a ticking part of the score like no. they do in the trailer no darn no. no movie sucks yeah dunkirk this was not a dunkirk type film <laughs> no i mean i i honestly the setting was beautiful some of the acting was fine matthew mcconaughey um can't remember his name um he's been in lost and a couple other things he's the first mate in the film jason clark or no mm, no no he plays the villain uh, Jason Clark is also awful. He varies between having no accent to some weird New Jersey mobster style accent. I don't know. It's like really like he phoned it in. Diane Lane is fucking in this. Yes. Oh, Dijamon, uh, Hansu. I'm probably <laughs> mispronouncing that. He's actually really good in it. Matthew McConaughey. They're both giving good performances, solid performances. Diane Lane is barely even fucking in it i was like halfway through i was like is that fucking diane lane what is she doing in this crap shoot of a movie like i cannot say how fucking shocked i am to see all of these academy award-winning actors just in this garbage movie so i am i am curious to see this just because i kind of want to see i mean you didn't get into spoilers which is good i i know that apparently the ending of this movie is just like insane there is a twist <laughs> oh yeah There's so five twists like when like in the <laughs> like in glass but there is a twist and the twist honestly makes the movie worse i'm stoked you want to hate watch this matt kind of yeah <laughs> um i will say though jason clark that guy fucking sucks like i i've never liked him in anything i've seen him in and he's like the main character in the pet cemetery remake mm. and that looks pretty good like he doesn't look terrible in the trailers i'm actually really excited for but he's so bad. Like I, it's, it, it has me a little worried about about Pet Cemetery. But you know who's great and is also in the trailers? John Lithgow. He fucking kills. Yeah, John Lithgow is pretty cool. So I'm optimistic still. 
Um, so for reference, you guys, I just wanted to let you know that on IMDb, Jason Clark, who is definitely the top three, like there's Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, and then Jason Clark. They should be the top three build, but he is under Diane Lane, even though she's in the movie for probably a total of 10 minutes because he's so bad in it. Well, it's probably because it's in their contract that like they don't want bigger name actors even if they have a small role like it's part of their contract like credit sure, listing you I'm know sure diane lane got paid more for her time than he did because she's actually a good actress but like she's not in the film she's like more or less has a cameo i hope jason clark got paid like ten thousand dollars and like an 18 pack of bud light or something for being in this movie because <laughs> that's all he's worth he got some fish no honestly i legitimately think that these group of actors got together and said <coughs> you know i've been reading this really shitty script but it does take place on kind of like a tropical island do you guys just want to like fuck our shit up and make a movie there and get paid to like have a fucking vacation on this beautiful paradise um i do need to say this is written and directed by Stephen knight and he gets a pass in all time pass because not for Locke, he wrote the screenplay for eastern promises mm. which is one of the best cronenberg films so he gets he's he's, he's the homie <laughs> well, and that's the thing like he has been nominated he's a pretty well-known you know director and screenwriter but i don't know this movie had so much promise in that there there's a lot of things that they touch on early in the movie there's a lot of different ways that they could go i thought you know one thing it actually reminded me a bit of the tv show lost where you're like what is this this could go this way this could be this this could be this and it ends and you're kind of just like oh none of that was quite as cool as the mystery it was like that but like ten thousand times so the twist is they're all dead no no <laughs> but they weren't all dead and lost either. <laughs> Spoilers for Lost. <laughs> they came out, ended in like 2003. Wait, did you say they weren't all dead and lost? Or? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Not while they were on the island. Yeah? No, they died later. Oh, oh my God. shit. Let's not get It's it been a this. long time. Yeah, we don't need to unpack Lost right now, but. We're going to have a discussion about this off air. <laughs> um. Okay, so I, I'll go over two quick rewatches. Um, Haley has never read the Harry Potter books before. So she, I got her into them like a month ago and she's just like, we're, we're both binging them. We're reading them together. Not together, like reading out loud. Like you guys should time, do that story time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <Deep> sparkle. <laughs> we're, we're reading them right now. We're in the fourth book right now, but she wanted to watch the movies. So I own one, two, four five six i think on dvd um and i was just gonna wait until because i i inquired with you about borrowing them but oh, you were like yeah. not until you're done with star wars bud so I was right like, okay. and little children and little children yes <laughs> so she wanted to watch them so we, we just watched the dvd copy um week of the sorcerer's stone that's what Philosopher's we watched stone. well yes <laughs> sure but the dvd cover says sorcerer's stone letterbox does not even give the option letterbox is just philosopher's oh, really? stone yeah well my uk blu-ray set is philosopher's you got stone. the uk blu-ray set <laughs> yeah because it was it was super cheap it was like 30 bucks for the whole set oh was it so. okay um so i had not seen the first movie all the way through in a very long time it does not hold up 
super well. Like you kind of have that, like the magic of it being like the first Harry Potter movie, the first time you see Radcliffe Hogwarts. Is considerably younger. Yes, all of the child actors are bad. I feel like it wasn't until the third movie that they kind of started to get like actually like okay, they're decent actors now. You know, yeah. they're bad. Uh, a lot of the visual visuals, like the CG, does not hold up. It's bloated. It's like two and a half hours long, and it's the shortest Harry Potter book. Like uh, some of the changes they make from the book are just kind of stupid, and they seem unnecessary. So it was still fun. Like I think I logged it as like a three out of five. Like I I love Harry Potter. I always will. But the first movie was a little bit of a slog. So. They we'll all, keep going. They but all are. No, no, no. They get better. They don't. Well, they don't get better as you go on. But the first two are the worst. Yeah. Third is awesome. Fourth is awesome. I think I stopped it. Five. Well, all the books are good, but no, that's how the books go. One and two are good because you're like being introduced to this world. Three and four are fucking killer. Five is like whoa, whoa, whoa. And then six, seven, eight are good, but I don't know. See, so I like five quite a bit, but three and four are my favorite. Six is my least favorite, except for maybe the first two. Because, like, yeah, the first two is the introduction to Harry Potter or whatever. But the sixth one I was not very interested in. I love the seventh one, but I read all those books as they came out. So, anyway, we're not talking about the books, though. Uh, I don't really have much more to say. Just I rewatched it. It was a little bit of a slog. It was fine. Um, and then last night I watched the Lego movie with Haley. She had never seen it. Oh, I feel like she'd love that. Uh, yes, she enjoyed the Lego movie quite a bit, <laughs> as did I. Uh, it's hilarious. Visually, it's one of my favorite animated movies of the past couple of years. It looks yeah. so cool, yeah, especially, cool. especially like the water effects, like when they're on the sea and you see the bricks like splashing. The way they do that is super cool. Didn't they actually design, like it was all CGI, but didn't they design the CGI so it was actual like building blocks of legos that they created and they had to put together to create that's why it looks so good yeah most of it is literally just pieces of legos because that, that the way the reason the water looks so cool is it's just like flowing pieces of lego that they somehow managed to animate into the film it looks really cool, so cool. and it it it's really funny too um like the i was fucking dying i don't know if you guys remember this but uh there's like the first world that Emmett's and uh, Wild Style are in, and they go through That's this the portal. Old West world. So, so it's the first world is like the city that Emmett works in. Um, the Wild West world is where they go to, but they go through a portal to get to the Wild West world. And Emmett hits the ground, and he just keeps screaming. He's laying on the ground, going <laughs> for like oh, yeah. ten seconds, and. <laughs> Haley and I were both dying. <laughs> One, Chris Pratt's like voice, like the way he does the scream, and then just the way he's animated, like the the Lego character's eyes are closed and he's just like screaming on the floor. <laughs> I was dying. Um, Lego movie is right. I'm yeah. very excited for the second one, which is like two weeks away, I think. You guys saw Batman, the Lego Batman movie. You said it was. I okay. did not like it. Matt liked I it liked it quite a bit. Um, cause I haven't seen it. I'm really excited to see the second Lego movie. So, uh, Lego Batman, uh, worth a watch made me cry. Yeah. I feel like that's not really saying much. Did you cry at like everything? Like Lego Batman movie made you cry. Come the fuck on, Matt. I feel like you need to get your tear ducts 
checked out of the theater. <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin have a very touching moment towards the end of the film, and it brought tears to my eyes, so you can fuck <laughs> off. Is it where they admit their love for each other? Kind of. <laughs> what? Not like, you know, in like a, platon- like a platonic love. Yeah. I meant in like a man-boy way love. No, there's no like, like butt butt stuff and <laughs> Lego Batman. <laughs> um, so besides that, I had one new watch and then a TV show I want to talk about. So either, if either of you have right, something. Let me go. Uh, let's see. I watched Kramer versus Kramer. I've seen this before, but it's been a while. And my goal is to watch all of the best picture winners. Oh, nice. Now that I own all of them. So I've never, <laughs> I've never seen Kramer versus Kramer, but I'm familiar with it. It's like the story of a mom and dad versus each other in a divorce case. Is that right? Pretty much, yeah. But um, wait, hold I... up before you before you start with the movie. You now own every single best picture, like all 100 plus best picture winners, except Shape of Water. But yeah, you don't own Shape of of all the ones, the Shape of Water. It's I the newest the fucking one. Shape of it's Water. It's the newest one. So? Give me a break. <laughs> I got the 4K. Come on, dude. You didn't, get that, you didn't see that sale? So you have every Best Picture movie from since the Oscars started? Yes, but... I feel like 40 years of those would probably be not the best. Well, some of them are on DVD. Some of them I bought as like Region B, like, you know other region discs and i thought what, i had a region that? free player but i don't so <laughs> wait I currently what is, have like what is that uh there's like region codes on discs and movies they put locks on them so like region meaning like like, like geographic codes. Yeah. yeah so like oh. a german blu-ray you may not be able to play on like a u.s player you need Weird. a region free player i never would have even thought of that but i guess that's kind of like netflix in different countries like like the UK it, has different movies. It's a than weird we rule that they have with movies, but I don't think it, the same thing applies with like music and stuff. Huh. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer is amazing. Um, I think it's really like it's aged really well. Like I think some of the stuff they're dealing with, like it was ahead of its time. Like what they're dealing with in the movie is still prevalent today because like it gets into the whole like parent and family dynamic and like, the husband is the one who like brings home the bacon and works and he he thinks that is his only role in the family basically but he kind of neglects spending being time a with his and kid and also like being a husband yes got it and so, so she's he's just the breadwinner yes okay. and he has like a big time like corporate job in new york and then his gotcha. wife meryl streep she's the stay-at-home mom who like didn't maybe necessarily want to have a kid in the first place, but kind of oh. felt like she needed to just because that's kind of the role Cultural, that she's supposed yeah. to play in life. Wow. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And so it gets to a point where she wants to leave because she's had enough. And that's kind of early on in the movie. Okay. Um, and then it gets into the whole like Dustin Hoffman's character has to become a dad basically because the mom just leaves and so he's like stuck with the kid oh wow so, so she so she both. leaves early in the movie yeah so he's doing wow. both roles and it it's kind of played for like comedic fashion oh, but then really? it also kind of like plays it off to be like touching towards the end but like yeah he, i feel like that's an interesting because it gives you like a different perspective and what that's yeah. like and yeah he can't even like make french toast or coffee like they really <laughs> like, to be fair i also can't make french toast <laughs> 
I know there's an egg involved. <laughs> but they go out of their way to basically show like he's incapable of yeah. doing like Basic household stuff. duties. Yeah. But he's, you know, the breadwinner or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, it eventually gets to the whole court case and all that. But like, there's just some like really good moments and it's just kind of fascinating watch his character change over the course of the movie. Yeah. Does then, he get more empathetic toward what she is going through or, yeah. or the opposite? Like he kind of realizes too late that he fucked up type thing. I mean, Meryl Streep is a cat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, there's one scene in this movie that... It's not even like, it's literally a shot of like what he writes on a tablet. And I feel like it just summarizes parenting up perfectly. And I don't want to oh. spoil it, but like, okay. I was kind of blown away just by like that one moment in the movie. And it might even just be like a small moment to other people, but like, yeah. Speaking about Dustin Hoffman when yeah. he writes on, I don't remember what specifically he writes, but I've seen this movie once and it was probably like four or five years ago. Mm. It's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sad, too. Like, I teared up a couple times. Oh, yeah, it. it's a great movie. But yeah, the, the scene that I'm talking about, I'll just say it involves him writing pros and cons down on a piece of paper. His marriage or no, it's all, it's being all a I'm father. Gonna say. It's all I'm gonna say. It's a little. Oh, I'm so intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. You should watch Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, that movie's I, awesome. It's definitely been on my long term list for a long time. It's just one of those where I'm never like, oh yeah, I should just watch that randomly. Yeah, and even though it did win Best Picture, I feel like it is kind of underrated. Like no one really talks about it these days. I feel like yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Like as far as like it came on what the late seventies, yeah, late seventies so. something or like that. Late it, 70s, it holds up 80s. very well. Yeah, is it on any of the streaming platforms? Or? I don't think so. So I'm gonna have to borrow it from you then. Maybe okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it was on a streaming platform at some point. I, I watched it on Netflix, but this is like five years ago. So I'm sure the licensing is like yeah. expired by now. But um. You got another one you want to knock out, Travis? I'm checking if it's streaming anywhere. No, nope, doesn't look like it. Mm, bummer. Um, one um, recently watched that I would like to talk about. Sure, go for it. Okay. Um, so this was actually last night. I watched Akira at Central Cinema here in Seattle. Um, it's like a local theater that does like older films and shows them randomly. I feel like Matt's trying to say something. Is this the first time you've seen... Akira? Technically, no. I Okay, so I sort of watched Akira one time, but I was, uh, how shall we say, in not clubs. in uh, my full Intoxicated. right mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was not, we watched like the first maybe 10, 15 minutes and I was like, dude, I'm not paying attention to this at all. We should we should actually watch it because I've heard a lot of good things and I've wanted to watch Akira for a while. Netflix and chill. The, so did I saw this movie? I saw the movie with Tom, right? You didn't go, or did mm -hmm. you take Tom's ticket, or no, I, I took your ticket? I, no, Tom took my ticket because I was out of town. So I'm kind of bummed that the first time you saw it was at Central Cinema of all places because that movie is incredible visually and you saw it on one of the worst screens in the city so matt and i have very different opinions on central cinema i love it so i've heard yes i love that place i like to go as often as i possibly can it's one of my favorite 
theaters to like non-regular theaters to go to in seattle matt fucking hates it he's like the seats are uncomfortable blah 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 pretty sure that's his like only qualm with it he's he's shaking his head he's got a lot of qualms apparently i think we've heard them it's but. it's not like their projector is pretty low quality their screen's not that big like this is the place to go see a movie for fucking sing-alongs and like crowd-pleasing rocky movies. horror picture show it's yeah stuff like that rocky horror there and it was fucking great yeah that kind of stuff is really <laughs> cool but if you've never seen a movie before and it's a movie that is i don't know like visually uh, it rewards seeing it in the best possible format even if it's just blu-ray would be better than seeing it at central cinema like central cinema like <laughs> every <laughs> like every, whatever central cinema I'm just bummed. Maybe not bummed. I don't know. I just, I love that movie and the way it looks and that small of a screen on that poor of a projector. Small screen. It's like a regular theater screen. Okay, it's not like modern. Compared to AMC 10 screens, what are we talking about? Probably about, yeah. Yeah. It's like AMC 10. It's not like a huge, like Dolby screen, but like I loved it. I was enraptured. I. Okay, so I actually, I like to follow this YouTube channel, uh, Cinefix, and they do these um, what's the difference videos. So they did the what's the difference between the Akira book, and I can never, is it manga or manga? Manga. Okay, I say manga, and my fucking weeby ass friend, Kurt, always, <laughs> <laughs> always corrects me. It's manga, apparently. <laughs> Matt has confirmed I am the dumbass. <laughs> no, I'm laughing. I, I fucking love the Weeby as a name. That's <laughs> a, a derogatory. Not derogatory. What? No, it's a. I say it in a loving way. It's a weeb is basically. Um, it comes from the term weeaboo, which basically means a white guy that's really into Japanese culture. There's a lot of those. Any white guy that watches anime, basically. <laughs> but anywho, um, well. Follow, follow up. Not any white guy that watches anime. White guys who watch Dragon Ball Z, that's different. Because I think we weebs are like, Dragon Ball Z, haven't you ever seen Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> so my my two favorite weebs, um, Michael and Kurt. Favorite weebs? Yeah. <laughs> my, my friends, Michael and Kurt. Um, they both love Dragon Ball Z, so I don't think that's 100% true. I think it's more like... Okay, if you watch Dragon Ball Z or you watched Pokemon or like Sailor Moon when you're young, that's one thing. But if you currently still watch anime, you're a fucking weeb. <laughs> yeah, like people people who watch other anime, yeah. like people who are into anime, not like you said, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon. Like those are the big mainstream anime, like people who watch shit outside of that. I don't necessarily mean that like they look down on people. No, no. Some of them do, but because well, I've de- like pretentious people like you. Well, Dragon Ball Z, I don't care what anyone says, is the greatest anime of all time. So I've literally heard you talk about Dragon Ball Z on this podcast, in fact, about how there's episodes where literally nothing happens. Why would I want to watch that? Because it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So small disclaimer, I have been watching a lot of anime lately and I do love it. I've been watching uh, Miss Toe by Kayashi's Dragon Maid. And Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's really good. So um, one of my weeby friends, Michael, he says there's this triangle of anime where you can either have 
on the three points of the triangle, there's good animation, good story, and good titties. And he said it's it's hard to find an anime where you have all three, but Dragon Maid is one of those. I would agree with that. Um, but anyway, back to Akira. Good titties in anime. What? Good titties in anime. Oh, yeah, dude. Sounds like I'm missing out. <laughs> anime is like all titties. It's like the, the, the good story, good animation. That's uh, that's less so. It's just like all TNA, but mostly T. It's like they're shiny. They have sound effects. Tight. You probably know what this is, but after we're done recording, like you're on your own, maybe sneak away into the bathroom, type a hentai into Pornhub. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do a disclaimer. Don't do that. Don't do that, Travis. Don't do that, listeners. You will be put on a watch list. (laughs) The Marge Marge Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) Hentai is just like. Hentai is like it animated pornography it's like anime what what B- circle jerk what 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 yeah. hentai that's, is like that's it's bukkake. like anime porn <laughs> hentai is anime porn wait what what did you say bukkake. yeah that's what i was thinking too we got very off track here i would like to take us back to akira <laughs> yes let's akira, stick to akira um hits all three of those uh that triangle but no akira Wait, was no, no akira doesn't there's, there's no, no tits in akira. um there is during a sort of rape scene <laughs> that's not the same thing that's we're talking like scintillating like anime titties like i'm gonna lean the microphone away from matt i don't you know like having like titties in a quasi rape scene like that's mm-mm the good kind of titties in anime is like, you know, like the girls who... I'm really uncomfortable with there's this. I, no, would, I wanted to okay, move on. For the record, there's no oh, good no. titties in rape scenes. Yes, correct. <laughs> I don't want to... It's not... So it has two... Let's just say it has two of the three. Good story and good Fine. animation. Okay. So Akira was great. <laughs> I hope Jesus Matt cuts Christ. out all of this. Yes. <laughs> I feel extraordinarily uncomfortable. Anyway, um, Akira was really good. Um, the animation was beautiful, especially it came out in the late 1980s. Um, and I found out after from my friend Kurt um, that they hand painted each cell. So it must have taken a lot of effort to make the movie. And it really shows it's beautiful. We were talking about this after as well. Any um, anime clouds or smoke just really... Um... Titties. <laughs> <laughs> no anime titties are a totally different thing they're great but we're not talking about them right now we're talking about clouds right <laughs> i was trying to talk about the nicer side <laughs> god fucking damn it okay i really hope my parents aren't listening to this episode anywho akira was great i really enjoyed it i know matt said i shouldn't have seen it on that scene but i on that screen, but I really, honestly, I I loved it. Thought it was a five out of five. This episode was brought to you by Anime Titties. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't mean to say I was just because I I saw that at Cinerama, which was pretty incredible, and that's yeah. un, indisputably a much better screen. Cinerama has is the best screen I think you could probably see most movies on. Yeah, and they have chocolate popcorn. So okay, so my friend Yasmin, who's really into movies, we're going there for her birthday, and she keeps being like, "Yeah, we have to find a good movie to see because it's a great screen, but also they have chocolate popcorn." Oh, is Yasmin turning nineteen? <laughs> 
24? I think she's 24, yeah. She's 24. I just turned 27. She's the baby of our house. Make sure to get the mix, though. Mix of what? Popcorn. Chocolate and caramel? Butter. Regular. No, don't. Don't make no, 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 it's it's <laughs> seriously the best popcorn in Seattle. So the best popcorn combination is cheesy popcorn and caramel popcorn, which AMC now offers no. in their gourmet popcorn selection. No. I haven't had it, but in a general sense, those are the best popcorn combinations. No. So I'm curious to try. I haven't tried chocolate popcorn. The sweet and savory combo. I mean, that's what caramel and cheesy is. Uh. Don't I you mean, Emmy? Sure, it is, but <laughs> that is just, that's just science. It's like oil and water. <laughs> it's more like oil and balsamic vinegar, <laughs> a delicious dipping sauce, or uh, Pepto Bismol and whiskey. Yes. <laughs> so, no, seriously, like ch- the chocolate, the chocolate regular popcorn mix is fucking delicious. Next level. I'll definitely have to try it. If you get all chocolate, it's just it's a little too much. Too chocolate. much, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, I like chocolate, but chocolate popcorn like a full bag sounds like kind of a lot. Yeah. All right. I'll definitely try that. Thank you. Okay, so I'll I'll go ahead and knock out my things real quick. Um, How long are we? Uh... We're a little over two hours right now. Okay. Um, just making sure. I think. Oh, so two things. So new movie that I saw. I watched this the day after we recorded our top ten oh, I know of twenty eighteen. This is Marrowbone, and this movie, I fucking loved it. It pro like if I had to place it on my top ten, it probably would have been number eight. So you would have taken out nineteen eighty five. No, I I would have I would have bumped off Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. nineteen eighty five would have been your 10. rules. <laughs> It would have been. It would have been. Ten stays, nine leaves. <laughs> That's so. It's um. It it probably would have been in between. You were never really here in the favorite. It would have been ahead of the favorite, but behind ahead of. Well, you you saw the favorite. I mean, you weren't on the show, but. So I didn't. I didn't really have a top ten this year. Honestly, I had a. I had nine movies that I gave five stars to in 2018. So they were my unranked top nine. But honestly, like, I didn't, I couldn't pick a favorite. I felt like none of them were a number, a number one for me. To be fair, though, I didn't see most of the movies that you guys put on your top tens. Pick a favorite of 2018 right now. Well, let me look. <laughs> Why Matt's talking. Yeah, pull up your list. <laughs> um, so I, I fucking love this movie. It's a, it's a, Big time slow burn horror film. It, sto- it stars uh, Mia Goth. Um, I'm not familiar with the other actors, but this is the guy. Um, he was the screenwriter for The Orphanage, which is one of my all time favorite horror movies. It's basically about this family who they move out to this home and there's some like family trauma that they've experienced and these kids kind of live on their own so it's like a kind of a haunted house movie but also just like a psychological drama like dealing with the trauma these oh, ex- these characters experience the from suspiria yes yes the kid from stranger things is in it too yeah uh i can't remember his character in stranger things but he's one of the main characters in Maribone. he's the brother of uh, the, the kid who gets abducted will yeah. will's will's, o- will's older brother oh, yes he looks sort of like off like his eyes are maybe not the same distance apart. I think inbred I think is he the, was word the one for. <laughs> okay, I was trying to be polite about it, but I guess we're going. Wasn't full he the one who got in trouble for like having cocaine on him or something? Or in real life, like he got in trouble at the airport or something. 
I mean, he had drugs on him, I think. So I'm pretty tale sure. as old as time. Don't, haven't we all been at the airport? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've, I've heard that story like 10 different people have been like, oh, I had cocaine on me. I think I know what you're talking about. Though. I think I think that was him, yes. Um, I did have a friend that had cocaine on him at the airport and forgot about it and then had to put it in an airport bathroom trash in order to not like forgot about it like while they were at the airport how do you forget about like if i had cocaine on me i would be like everywhere i went i would be like oh yeah that guy knows i have cocaine yeah like you've never done coke no i'm i I mean okay never mind yeah let's uh not have that conversation (laughs) on there (laughs) um (laughs) marabone marabone uh Merburn is uh you know, people can listen to this. <laughs> <You guys>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally we just we text it to each other. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> okay, so Marabone, incredible slow burn. I love the the family drama. The characters I will say are they're a little bit thin. But the movie goes some places that I absolutely was not expecting. Like, talk about reveals. M. Night Shyamalan, get the fuck out of here. Marrowbone, <laughs> some good shit in here. Um, the scares are few and far between, but they, when they do show up, are scary as fuck and very, very effective. Like, I've been scared. It reminds me of the orphanage. Like, some of the scares in the orphanage, like, shook me like i was horrified this movie is like that there's not a ton of scares it's pretty slow but when i was enraptured by like the moments of tension and then all the drama like the drama the family stuff i was also very invested in good performances uh like i said i would have made my top 10 if i had seen it prior to our recording uh, I recommend, I think it's on Hulu now. Did you confirm that? I didn't look it up, but. I thought you did. I thought you said it's on Hulu now. No, Aren't you, you told, the one who told me, me that? it was on Hulu. Oh, maybe I did. I I think, double check it, but I, th- I think it's on Hulu now. So oh, if anyone God. has not yet seen Marrowbone, uh, it's not for everyone. It's pretty slow, especially at the beginning. But if you can get past that and you're a big like gothic horror fan, movie is the bee's knees sounds like most people didn't get it or weren't as into it as you were it wasn't reviewed super well oh yeah it is on hulu sweet okay so yes if you trust my opinion in movies especially horror movies is it like the witch at all no 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 not really no um jennifer kent the director of babadook she's coming out with a new movie called nightingale Nightingale. i heard it's pretty brutal i am excited i'm intrigued uh that was marabone the only other thing i wanted to talk about uh i wa i binge watched a new tv show with Haley, uh which a lot of people watched it's called you on netflix you watched that (laughs) that is probably one of my most anticipated movie or shows that's on my list right now on netflix uh (laughs) yes but i loved it it's so I having not seen the shows I'm about to reference, um, I would compare it to Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl, like trashy, like plot driven TV shows. So CW high school shows. Sure. Yes. It's it's a little bit more complex than that, but it's especially in the first couple episodes, I was like laughing at how bad it was. Oh, no. But it's really, really entertaining. And whoever the main guy is... Isn't he 
the guy from Gossip Girl? Yes. I, I haven't seen Gossip Girl, but Haley said that, yes. So I have not watched Gossip Girl either, but being a lady in the world, um, I'm like aware of it, and I'm pretty sure he plays Dan on Gossip Girl. He's, um, yes, he's in Gossip Girl. The whole, the basically the whole show is about this guy who is kind of a sociopath. He, he seems like okay from the trailer. What I got is he's stalking a blonde girl. That was literally all I got. Yes. So that's that's the show. He's an obsessive stalker essentially, and he is basically building up this girl, putting expectations on her, forming a narrative about her that are not necessarily true, and then he gets to know her and. Some crazy shit happens in the show. So it's like Com- Fifty Shades of Grey. Completely outside. Well, no, it's not super sexy. There are some like kind of spicy moments, but so he's a quote unquote nice guy. Yes. So I, I think the reason, as the show went on, the reason why I enjoyed it more is because it kind of subverts this note because he it, he is you think he's a good guy, but it you should. You should not Do like him. you, as a man, think he's a good guy? Or would a woman think he's a good guy from the beginning? I think men and women would should both acknowledge that his behavior is totally unacceptable and he's a creeper. Is this Twilight? Well, so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of playing on those, like, those pre-established, like, cliches of this obsessive guy. Because he, he is very likable, but by the end of the show, you should not like him as a person and be rooting for him to stalk and murder this girl there has been some backlash against the show not backlash so there has been some people on social media saying oh my god joe is so hot i wish he would like come after me and i think i don't know if it was the actor or if it was the director but he came out and said that's the opposite of the point the point is that he is a reprehensible human being who is trying to put his own narrative spin on his incredibly problematic violent like he does some fucked up stuff for this girl and tries to justify that it was for her very manipulative so i think that that's kind of the problem of having those cliches in like teen movies like twilight and like those other you know other teen cliches where it's like if a guy is stalking a girl if he's hot then it's okay because the actor that plays the stalker in this um is a attractive man he's not like a creepy looking dude they're the same age you know so theoretically you go into it being like you would go into it being like they could be love interests and so i think that sometimes people like sort of culturally get that on that head but also people are fucking ridiculous they were saying the scars guard kid from it they were like i'm trying to get nasty with the clown from it so i feel like people on <laughs> On social media are kind of just the worst sometimes, honestly. So, um, I, I very much enjoy the show. I wouldn't go out on a way to say it's a good show, but, uh, Greg, Greg Berlanti, the guy who r- wrote and directed Love Simon, oh. he's an executive producer. He directed some of the episodes of the show. Interesting. So you kind of have, it's, it's kind of in a more intelligent, like Paris said, CW, like teen drama. It kind of plays on those tropes, but it's a little bit more self-aware and it's very plot driven. There's cliffhangers. There's outrageous, completely outrageous shit that happens. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think 
Haley and I binged the 10 episodes in three sittings. I think we did, or it was four. We did three episodes, three episodes, two and two. We finished it in a week. Um, uh, the, the main character, I don't know the actor's name, but Joe, he's, he's quite good. Cause you, you kind of like him, but he's also just, he does the most creepy, heinous shit and then tries to justify it as like being, like well-intentioned and he's doing it for this girl so there's like kind of a a neat interplay with Mm -hmm. that stuff so um especially if anyone out there is with a partner who is interested in the film in in the show like it's a good like binge worthy uh it's like i said it's not a good it's not a good show per se there's lots of really stupid stuff that happens but it's it's a kind of like trashy tv binge-worthy, very interesting shows. Absolutely. Which I, I kind of needed. I kind of yeah. needed that. Um, so I would recommend it. Um, the only other thing I've been watching is uh, Marvelous. Sometimes Mrs. you Basil. need to just eat some empty calories. Yeah, you gotta get, you gotta get <laughs> your popcorn, you know what I mean? Um, the only other thing I've been watching is Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm like halfway through season two. That show is still awesome. It's hilarious. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan is awesome as... mrs mazel uh cracks me up she's a very sympathetic character it made me tear up at one point uh that show was awesome i need to watch that but a little too busy right now i'm watching other things there's a lot going on so that was it for me that's all i got all right i got a few things i'll try and be brief are you guys done paris did you pick up a favorite of 2018 um (laughs) so i guess i looked at my list and i still don't technically have infinity war no. <laughs> yes, that was one of my top nine because I only rated nine five star movies out of the thirty one movies I saw in twenty eighteen that came out in twenty eighteen, which is almost as much as Tom. I wanted to point out, um, almost qualified. Yeah, so close. <laughs> Although I did look up after I heard you guys talking about that, I looked up the average number of uh, movies that people saw a year, per year, and it's about four. What? Yes, the average oh, American okay. sees about four in the movies in theaters. So one a quarter. Okay. Yeah, which that I makes feel sense. Like pretty much makes sense. The big blockbusters, you know, the family movies. I see like one out. every four days. So. Um, I feel like you see more than <laughs> yeah, maybe that. more than that. <laughs> if you saw, what did you see? Like 160 that came out last year. Like 170, 180, 170. Maybe? So divide that by 365. I That's think you'll get more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those Poor were Netflix. Chelsea. Well, yeah, those were all in theater experiences. <laughs> yeah. But yes, yes. But you're still, but you're still seeing them like every day. Yeah. Well, I watched like 400 movies last year. So yeah. Fuck. What? <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think it's kind of difficult because I don't feel extraordinarily strongly about anything on my list. Uh, before I say my top, I wanted to give a shout out to Best Friends Volume Two. Because that has not been talked about at all on For the podcast. Good reason. No, <laughs> no, no. I none honestly, of us saw it. <laughs> no, I know, and it's and it's not like a great movie, but it's just so silly and fun. And both of Best Friends volumes one and two are they're fun. If you enjoyed the room, you'll enjoy this even more. I think. Even if you didn't enjoy the room, I think Wait, it would. Is there two different Best Friends movies, or is Best Friends Volume Two the sequel to The Room? No, it's it's. it's it's oh, like okay. Nymphomaniac. It got broken uh, up. Or Kill Bill. It just got broken up into two movies. 
What? Both of those things got volumes one and two because they've got broken up. It is on the standard of both of those movies. Um, no. <laughs> so I think my top is actually a tie between Suspiria and The Favorite. I had qualms with both of these movies, but ultimately I walked out of the theater just loving both. The Favorite is hard because Matt was there with me. With any of Yorgos Lanthimos movie Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> films um, I watch it and then I walk out of the theater and I go what the fuck is happening what is my life I need to reevaluate <laughs> things and like I just can't process and um, more so with the lobster but this one as well and I think that um, just thinking on it more it really resonated with me Suspiria was one of the most interesting things I've watched in a long time. It was beautiful. It was crazy. The acting was phenomenal. Can't say much more than that. Set pieces were right. beautiful. Well, I think the Cinephiles Digest would mostly agree with those two. <laughs> hmm Suspiria was my number f- five. Tom's number two. Yeah. Yep, yep, the favorite yep. was my number two. Tom's number three. Matt's number seven, seven eight, so. I think, <laughs> or something like that. I did want to give another shout out to Yorgos. Um, I recently rewatched The Lobster, but I did it with my friend Michael. He lives in California, and we FaceTimed the whole time while we were watching it, and we like synced it up so we could be watching it at the same time. It was pretty fun because uh, he'd never seen it. And seeing his reactions to it, with which I had seen it, but just like literally watch, being able to watch his reactions to it at the same time was probably one of the best ways to watch that movie, honestly, on a second watch. And I just wanted to say, like, even on a second watch, it's my favorite of his movies and one of my favorites of all time. Hell yeah. Lobster Crew for the win. <laughs> one of my least favorites of his. Nah, it's no, it's num- numero uno, but... <laughs> no way. Yeah, it's my number one. I haven't seen that other one, Dog something. Dog Tooth is where it's at. I haven't seen Dog Tooth, so I can't say for sure, but it's definitely... Well, the Lobster is definitely my number one of his. It's good. All right, Travis, close it out. What's your right. Uh I will start with Leviathan. We'll continue that super with long ass like Russian movie, or is this no? Is this the fishing boat movie? It's the fishing boat okay. movie. I think <laughs> I watched it on Canopy. Um, it's pretty experimental. It's just like a lot of like I'm pretty sure like GoPro cams or and probably a combination of GoPro cams and like traditional cameras. Um, just trying to like capture the day to day life of fishermen out in the Alaskan Sea or whatever. Um, but just like the the footage they get is pretty incredible and like it just seems like such shitty conditions but it's like commenting on that like just how hard of work it is for those people who do that for a living and then also just like how us humans are kind of invading on like wildlife because like we're literally like you know capturing or fishing for like thousands of fish and just kind of like discarding of their like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> fuck your ecosystem we're here we're gonna eat all of yeah like there's scenes of just like nets grabbing like thousands of fishes just slopping them down and then like they're just like sitting there to like die basically and then there's like scenes of them just like chopping off their fins and stuff and discarding of their body parts like it's nothing and then like 
you know, putting the, the good parts in another section or whatever. But like, okay. and then there's also like certain shots of like, you're almost like one of the seagulls like flying near the boat as like fish that are being cool. coming up. And it's like a comment on like how we're kind of stealing food from seagulls in a way. But just like the footage is incredible. Oh, I just want to say fuck seagulls. Okay? <laughs> seagulls are the worst. Pigeons are a close second. But it sounds like uh, the movie had a very uh, strong vision and voice and how it wanted you to feel at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of slow and there's no really like plot or through line. It's just like footage of these guys doing their thing. And there's like no dialogue or like story net per se. It's just yeah. kind of like a fly on the wall. But you seem to have a strong feeling after about how we're like invading these species and like yeah. we're stealing from their natural resources and all that. So it seems to be very, uh, I don't know, you'd call it biased, maybe. Kind of. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's definitely has like some sort of an agenda, but like, which is interesting that they were able to do that by using just footage, right? Yeah, it's and pretty cool. No dialogue, really. Yeah, that sounds. But really yeah, cool. like some of the footage they get is pretty incredible, and sure, it's like GoPro cameras, but like, I've never seen certain like shots or angles that they were able to get, and like some of the time you don't even really know what's going on on screen, so it could definitely turn off viewers, like what the fuck am I watching? But yeah, sure. I liked it a lot. And it's only like 80 or 90 minutes too. So it's not like a super long slog. It's not an investment. A, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, I also watched Winter Brothers that came out last year. I think it was a pretty small movie that didn't really get much attention. I don't remember what country it's from, but it's a foreign movie of some sort. Um, but it's basically just like, you mainly follow these two brothers who work in, I forget what kind of, it's almost like a, they're like a, a mining type crew, like type job. So um, similar to like Zoolander when he goes home. No, com- <laughs> completely different movie. <laughs> but it's shot on 16 millimeter and it's got like, like soft edges. Okay. <laughs> you know, like or rounded so it's edges. it's got that like old style feel. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like a ghost story, is that what you mean? Like the the round, like the frame is rounded off on the edge. It's rounded on the edges, but it's 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 same as happy as Lazaro or Lazaro. I don't know if you noticed the style of like no, I don't film stock or whatever. The... Oh, but it's uh-huh. like it's mostly like widescreen, but it's there's some bars on the left and right, and then it's like rounded on the edges, oh, okay. and it has a very like film grain look to it. But I, the movie looks incredible. It's it's pretty bleak and kind of disturbing at times. And it's pretty, I don't know, like metaphorical in a sense, like some scenes don't really like make a whole lot of like narrative sense, but like, I feel like they're trying to go for something more within those scenes. Um, but it's mainly just like about like isolation and like a toxic work environment and stuff. Cause like, there's like some sort of feud that, comes into play within the workers because like the main character he's kind of a piece of shit but like you want to like <laughs> sympathize with him because he's your main character mm. but and like some of his actions or behavior might just be because he's so isolated and like is super lonely and but and it's all through like his kind of frame of mind um 
but like some of the shit he does is like pretty fucked up like he makes like his own liquor but it ends up like poisoning one of the workers so the master i was literally just about to say so walking some people have said it's similar to the master but i don't really get that vibe other than than that parallel yeah literally stole that specific scene from the master (laughs) but i yeah i liked it quite a bit um the ending is one of those like abrupt endings that you're just like wait what in <laughs> did you watch this on canopy too or yeah okay sean baker was saying it was like one of his favorites of the year so i checked it out oh, okay. sean baker the florida project director oh okay. so he's like i don't know is that a critic like i don't know who that is he so he also said let the corpses yeah tan and then what was the third one um i forget the three he mentioned on film spotting but yeah Winter Brothers wasn't one of them. Oh, it this wasn't. was on a different podcast he was on. Oh, he was talking about oh, it. Okay. It was like he did like top five directorial debuts of like the last ten years or something, and that was one of them. What? Oh, that's yeah. Cool. But yeah, it was. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, what else? Um, a lot of movies in theaters. I'm not going to talk about everything. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Grizzly Man. I definitely want to talk about that one. Yes. That is essential viewing for every human being. What is what is Grizzly Man? Uh, directed by Werner Herzog. He, well, he doesn't really necessarily do any of the footage. He kind of just like repurposes all of it. Um, but it's basically about this uh man slash character timothy oh. treadwell who is like nuts about bears and he's a bear whisperer so he th- <laughs> did he ask which bear is best so false black bear <laughs> <laughs> at the be- you find out very early on in the documentary that he dies from an accident like a bear accident. A bear related accident. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. And then the whole documentary is just about his persona mm-hmm. and his life with the bears, all the footage that he captured. And so like, he's sort of like that woman that went to live with the apes to study them, but with oh, bears? Oh, like Jane Eyre. Yeah. Or, yeah. Jane Goodall. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? Jane I'm pretty Eyre. sure Jane Eyre is the main <laughs> character of a. Um, Victorian novel yeah. by the author I cannot fucking remember at the moment. It's a woman. Fuck, yeah. Oh, no. That's okay. To, to be fair, I think Good I have a, a stack of five, uh, five rolling rocks next to me, so I can't Let's remember. Matt got it right. <laughs> Charlotte Bronte. That's not who I was thinking of, though. Yeah, me who, are, who are we thinking of? We were thinking of the Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Author. Yes. Who is that? <laughs> I don't God know. damn it. Charlotte Bronte Emily... is. No. No, not Emily Dickinson. No, 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 it's the no, no, other no. one. Just look it up, dude. I can't. Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay. So, Grizzly Man. Um, Jane Austen. Jane Austen. Uh, sorry. We got it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Okay, so Grizzly Man, this dude is so fascinating, but like also very cuckoo. <laughs> like cuckoo for cocoa puffs. He's cuckoo for his grizzly bear. <laughs> like he thinks he is one of 
them and he oh no like acts like he can live in their habitat and like you you, you like watch him like deal with it and like so there is times where he can like thinks he's a grizzly bear calm them down yeah in a sense like like matt said he thinks he's the bear whisperer where he'll be like <laughs> no don't do that and he'll like punch at him or like tell him to stop oh my god and he thinks he like is basically like controlling them but He's not. He's just scaring them off for that split second. Yeah, because he's literally <laughs> punching them. Like, what? So the whole documentary gets into like that whole thing and whether that's right or not of him to be doing that. But then it also gets into the whole fact that like it's almost like we're watching this character as like a species of some sort. Like yeah. he's an animal that he's the the nature <laughs> subject. Yeah, of the film. watching him. <laughs> He just thinks we're watching the bears. Yes. yes. God damn it. What the fuck? It's super fascinating though. And he f- he has a-, a ton of footage of it and he like thinks he's like a character in his own movie, like in his own footage. And so he'll do like multiple takes of stuff and like uh he became somewhat famous and so like people are trying to prevent what he's doing. So there'll be like crews that come in to like try and stop him. And he's like capturing footage of him in the woods, like you know, <laughs> fuck those people, <laughs> like they're out here to get me. But I'm Timothy Treadwell, <laughs> so he's like, a full-on lunatic. Pretty much, yes. He's very self-righteous. He he thinks that what he's doing is for like the betterment of the bear community. <laughs> yes, <laughs> God. <laughs> but Why? just, I mean, just himself as a person is super fascinating. Like yeah. some of the footage he gets is incredible because it's so fucking weirdo. Up close, like. They have a full-on bear fight, and like, wait, what? he has a fight with a bear? No, no, no. Oh my god, two bears I was fighting. Like, I would totally watch that. <laughs> and he like he narrates it like he's like David Attenborough, Bruce Buffer, just like <laughs> narrating a bear fight in the in the wild. <laughs> like one of the bears kind of- shits during the fight. It is insane. <laughs> <laughs> like full-on. Okay, okay, turns. okay, okay. But to be fair. Have you guys ever been in a fight with a bear? Because I'm pretty sure you would shit yourself. Like a, a bear fighting another bear no, shitting no, itself? No. Have you ever been in a fight with a bear? Because I'm pretty sure you would shit yourself yeah. too. But I'm not a bear. He's talking about a bear shitting itself in a fight with another yeah, bear. How yes. scary are bears? If I Even if I was a bear, I'd be like, this is really scary. I don't know. I wouldn't shit myself if I got in a fight with like some drunk dude outside a bar. Like I wouldn't shit myself. Uh, I feel like you might. Like I feel like... Honestly, if I had to bet on a fight between you and some random drunk dude, I would probably bet that you would shit yourself. <laughs> but yeah, and it also gets into, um, he he eventually has like a girlfriend in the story and she's wow. the one who comes along with him for the expedi- expeditions. Is she also crazy? Uh, I'm assuming she's a little crazy if she's dating this guy, but she's barely even in it. Like they don't even really get any footage of her. Like she's kind of like a a non-factor in the documentary, but she is a huge factor in the actual story. Okay. Um, and I don't know, it, I don't think it really explicitly says it, but you almost get a sense that she might be the reason why, and this, that might be like biased watching, you know, like, because like, she might be the reason why he's out there with the bears. No, she might be the reason why they got attacked. Oh. Be- be- you could look at it two ways. They got like, attacked? Yeah. Well, he dead. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! They both got killed, and you learn that very. Oh my early god! On. Wait, what? Yes, they got oh god, attacked I missed by that bears. Part. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but I don't know. Watching it, you can kind of get the sense that 
maybe she wasn't as equipped to be around the bears as he was, or that's just like the natural order of ways things are supposed to happen. And eventually he got his due type thing. But I feel like you can definitely like, you know, that plays into it a bit. It's there. You you could say that she's the reason they got killed by the bear, or I mean, you could also say it just he had it coming. Yeah, you know? just you a don't fuck of time around with bears before. for that long before like one of them is like, no, fuck you, I'm gonna eat you. I. It's it's I pretty. Think I kind of hate this. Like no. you, don't, you don't see the bear mauling or anything. Like, no, you, you don't, don't see it. See the footage. You but have he did to get watch killed. This. He spent his. He dedicated his life to studying grizzly bears, and ultimately he got killed by a grizzly. He spent bear. like thirteen years out there or something. Wah, wah. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's amazing. You have to watch it. And Werner Herzog is like a character in his documentary. Okay. Like he, there's he gets hold of the audio recording of the attack they don't have footage of it because they weren't able to get the the lens off because obviously they were under (laughs) huge (laughs) oh my god but he like he like and there's a scene where he's playing it for one of timothy treadwell's close friends slash ex-lovers and or no no Werner herzog is listening to it in front of her and he's like reacting like i i recommend you never listen to this yeah, and that you destroy like it should not and he like also imposes his opinions on the matter like he basically says this guy is crazy this is nature and you're fucking with it yeah but this was his life and this is what he wanted to do and it makes a case like <sighs> he God. timothy treadwell would have wanted it this way like he loved the bear so much that he would literally die for them because he thought he was making he was providing a good cause so it's it's it conflicting nuts. but it's fascinating it sounds it's, fascinating for sure i don't mm, it sounds also kind of awful you don't you don't hear any of the audio you see Werner herzog listening to it but no it doesn't you don't get to hear I, like the mauling i'm having a strong reaction just listening to you describe it like i don't know man. it's not as graphic as I'm probably explaining it. Okay. <laughs> like, as far as visually, but, like... I mean, I can deal with graphic. It's more just, like, conceptually. Like, this crazy person goes into the woods, tries to interact with predatory animals, and uh, and, and and ends up getting killed by them. Like, it just... To me, that just sounds like... Man, that sounds super fucked up. It, and it is. It's a kind of a cult of personality movie because he is such an interesting He's very person. flamboyant, too. Like, he's one of a kind, like, okay. type people. So he is probably the main reason that people would watch this is for his interesting character. Well, yeah, and just was. his fascination fascination with bears. Like, it, Free Solo kind of gets in the same kind of stuff where that dude is willing to die for what he loves to do. and. There's, Same thing with Grizzly Man. There's no doubt that he loves the bears and that what he's doing, he feels like is to benefit the bears. There's some debate whether that's true or not, but there's no doubt in his mind that what he's doing is right. Yeah. It's on Hulu? Is that where it's you watched Amazon it? It's on Amazon Prime right now, but could not recommend it enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you got? Um, Travis. I think that. Oh, <laughs> real quick. Real quick, three things. <laughs> I, I, there's like eight, God, eight I could talk about. We've been here about, for ten hours. Hey, that's not all my fault, okay? <laughs> I did watch McQueen. 
Um, the one that Zach said was one of the best of the year. Yeah, I thought it was okay. pretty average. Sorry, Zach, if you're listening, but um, it just I didn't know anything about McQueen, and it seems like he had a pretty like fascinating slash troubling life. But I don't know. I just thought it was a pretty ordinary documentary. Um, was good though, especially if you want to learn a little bit more about him. Uh, I saw the upside with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is that? it's one of those like very middle of the road like you know I you could felt, easily miss it but so i felt bad for brian cranston because obviously that was kind of like a low-key like inspirational feel-good movie but it came out yeah. like really close after all that controversy with with kevin hart like not getting the oscars host because of his like previous tweets and all that and then it, mm. like the movie came out and i was like man i just feel bad for brian cranston because he just made this like simple movie that's like <laughs> supposed to be inspirational and probably like probably like most people aren't gonna want to see it after that or like the people that do see it are gonna i don't know it's kind of like a like a pall over it you know yeah yeah like there's some funny parts and it's it's pretty entertaining for the most part but it's so like trite it just like everything wraps up so neatly like it's just one of those like feel good crowd yeah. pleaser type movies yeah. so it is so, what it looked like yeah <laughs> uh but yeah it wasn't terrible um i also saw ben is back how was that it was good but i just feel like i've seen a lot of addiction movies lately and like if you're gonna do it the right way i feel like you need to handle it a certain way and it kind of follows the same lines of other ones um but i did like the performances in it like lucas hedges and julia roberts were good is he ever gonna like i feel like the last last year maybe even the year before and this year like he's just been killing the game lucas hedges is in everything he's every good like teen boy movie <laughs> <laughs> him and t shall yeah the child man yeah but even t shall if you think about like volume like Timothy Chalamet may have been in like larger scale, like maybe even better movies, but like Lucas Hedges has been in like every fucking movie the past two years. I, I would say they're probably comparable. I mean, they both were in Lady Bird. Right. Uh, Timothy Chalamet had Call Me by Your Name, but Lucas, Lucas Hedges. Hedges Manchester by the Sea. Yes. And Boy Race. Boy Race. And, and Mid 90s. And Mid 90s and another one. Ben is back. No, but before that. Before that, um, anyways, I like this about the same as Beautiful Boy. I know you didn't really like that, Matt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Beautiful Boy maybe had a couple more like visual or directorial moments that I appreciated, but I think this story was just a little more interesting because it kind of goes in a direction you're not expecting. Three billboards was the one I was. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. And without spoiling where it goes, um. Because I feel like you don't really get a sense of it in the trailer, although they kind of allude to it. But, like, it kind of turns into, like, a procedural-type thriller. Oh. and Interesting. That's not what I expected from the trailer. And the the main plot or story, like, of the movie isn't really something you see in a lot of movies. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Is it worth a watch? That. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth a watch. kind of at the bottom of my should-I-see-it list. Yeah. No, I, th- I thought it was good. I just... It's... It's kind of a typical addiction type movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, though. Okay. Cool. Well, I think we're going to call it a day on this episode. Um, 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back in a couple of weeks. I know. When does Lego Movie Part 2 come out? Is that going to be, like, within the window of our next recording? Or is it, like, I know the they week after? early screenings this weekend. Yeah, people have been seeing it, yeah. Um, have we heard I know it comes out. Yet? It comes out early February. Um, what do we got here? Oh, I do kind of want to see... Uh... The kid who would be king. February seventh. So that yeah, that would that would be the weekend we would be recording. Uh, and yes, the kid who the kid who became king, right? The kid who would be king, I think. Yeah, it's Joe Joe. Mainly Cornish. because of that, Joe yeah. Cornish directed. He's the, the guy Attack who did the Block guy. That. Oh, I loved Attack of the Block. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie fucking killed. The trailer doesn't look great for the this boy movie. Who would be king I had looks n- like some fucking bullshit. I had no though, interest in it lie. until I saw he was directing. I was like, oh, I mean, okay. he's great. That does make me want to see it more. But the fact that they're advertising it so much, like on like Fandango and shit, makes me feel like it's probably bad. It's it getting could, good reviews. Yeah, it could be one of those movies that the the marketing is off because it seems like a really stupid kids movie, you know. Yeah. And you know, it does. It is a kids movie. Miss Bala, like Gina Rodriguez. Oh, bar. Okay, so <laughs> I had decided. I've watched that trailer probably a thousand times <laughs> at this point in my life. I've decided that every time I always seem interested in the movie, and that every time that fucking title card comes up with Miss Bala. At least one person in the theater I'm in laughs because it's a cheesy title, Miss Bala, like it sounds dumb. And I decided that if they had called it La Baya, which is like the bullet, it would have been a thousand times better. And I think that they would be able to market it stronger and more people would want to go see it. So essentially, I'm telling the makers of that wow. film, they should hire up. you. You done Columbia goofed. Pictures, if you're listening. Columbia Pictures, <laughs> I don't have a degree in marketing or in anything, as a matter of fact. But um, I am here and available for all your movie marketing needs. Um, real quick, Velvet Buzz Sauce plays. That is literally there. what okay. I was just about to say. <laughs> February first, Velvet Buzz Saw. You, you you sent me the link. That's the Jake Gyllenhaal, Dan Gilroy, uh, the Netflix movie where he's like an arts. <gasps> that looks so. Yeah, you sent me. Good. I had seen it I already, did, but you sent I did me the send link. You the yeah. Link and was like, ah, you need to see this. Uh, if you want to be on that episode as well, you're welcome to. I'm so fucking Because it's going to it's gonna be Velvet Buzzsaw, uh, Arctic, The Other, Mads Mikkelsen, like, snow movie. Cold. <laughs> Arctic is getting really good reviews. Yeah, uh, Polar. I saw a trailer for it. Polar was not getting good reviews, which that just came out. Um, so my next most anticipated movie, which comes out after you guys record next, but relatively soon, is... Captain Marvel. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think that's March. Early March. Yeah, I'm fucking stoked. It does look cool. I am excited for that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, a little bit up in the air, what we're going to watch, who's going to be on the episode. Going to watch we're, up in the air? I think we're, I, <laughs> I think we're assuming. <laughs> I'm just going to take a look back. <laughs> I think we're assuming Tom will be back, but we will see. Um, until then, though, thank you, everybody, for listening. Tell your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or the Apple Store or whatever. It helps our visibility. That'd be nice, yeah. Send us an email, cinephilesdigestgmail.com. That is going to do it, Paris. Where can we find you on social media? If one were to want to look for you on social media, like on Twitter, maybe? The Facebook, the Twitter. Uh, Twitter is Cinephile Digest. Twitter is Cinephile Digest. No S on it. Uh, we don't have an Instagram account, but Travis, I mean, I don't know if you want to put your shit out there, but. Cinephile Travis, somewhat of a plug tie into our podcast. Yes. Um, yes. But 
I hate social media. Um, I think if you really want to follow me in my movie-ness. <laughs> fucking letterbox. <laughs> letterbox. Travis Paul. I do follow Travis on there. It is quite a wild ride. I, I religiously log stuff on there. Yes, and he clogs up my whole feed because I basically <laughs> only follow a couple people. <laughs> Travis is the one that watches all of the movies. I'm really trying to up my uh, followers though, so yeah. you guys. And what is your what is your username on? It should just be Wonder Travis Box? Paul, one word. Travis Paul. Yep. At Travis Paul, one word. You should yep. just say it over and over and over. Travis over again. Paul. I am I'm available for movie movie marketing if you need me. <laughs> I am Matt Sombrero on Instagram, and I believe Letterboxed. You're Matt Sombreros on so Letterboxd. My, you just dropping my real name on the show, dog? I mean, that's what it's, you are on No, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Matt <laughs> Sombreros. Uh, I'm not going to spell it, but yeah. C-E-B-R-E-B-R-O-S. Just go to my page. No, wrong. <laughs> go to my page. Go to who I'm following, and you'll find Matt. He's got a very distinct... Uh, picture. It's got a little white background with some red and black little squigglies behind it. That's them. the Elliott Smith wall <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard in LA. Oh. Yes. Oh, one last quick thing that I watched Social Network, rewatched it. Still a masterpiece. Huge. That's all I have to oh. say. Real quick, Drive, still the second best movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to plug my own personal social media real quick in case anyone enjoys talking to me. I <laughs> enjoys listening to me, I guess. Uh, my occasional guests on the show. Um, I am starting a podcast with my friend Yasmin. What? Um, it is in the works. We'll give you more information as uh, Do we have part of the Cinephiles Digest Network. More information. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. We'll probably need some of Matt's editing skills for that. But um, just in case you guys want to preemptively follow me for that, uh, Instagram, Paris Will, two S's. And don't follow me on Facebook because I'm not on there or anywhere else, honestly. Don't follow Just me. Instagram. Even then. I don't know. Oh, Twitter. You use Twitter now. Ah, uh, barely. I'm also Paris Wheel, but I think only with one S because yes, there was some there was some sort of confusion back in the day with the with the one S and the two S. But anyway, follow me. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you for being on the show, Paris. We love having you. Uh we will be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you everybody for listening. Bye bye. Toodles. Bye.